and welcome once again to another episode of the Retro.Split Separate Podcast, the only show that celebrates all the things that make growing up awesome. We are part of the Dorkening and the NPR Podcast Network, and as always, we are brought to you by Gilly Grounds Coffee. Coffee to die for. I am your host, Nintendo, and with me as always are my really, really special cool guy friends and whatnot, Precisely. Hey, the last thing that you remember is standing before the wizard Lachmere as he waved his hands. Now you find yourself staring at an entryway which lies at the edge of a forest. <laughs> oh, damn. I, I wasn't... <laughs> wow. <laughs> Shit, we're at a forest now. What the fuck are we doing here? Well, I don't know uh, what you're going to do, I, I thought I thought I was in my office this whole time. You're wrong. Apparently not. Oh, apparently not. All right. And, of course, 8-Bit Alchema. Hey, hey, I have to uh, deal with this forest, apparently. So, uh, what are you going to do? I don't you know. Go I'm, I'm not even going to be. I'm honestly not even going to be on this episode now. I'm going to be in the forest. I got shit to do. Like, I, I got to, I mean. I guess, I I guess mean, we can say we're off the grid now. Yeah, oh, we're off true. the grid. Right. We're off the grid. Our yeah. roots are, are I've dug in, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're bushwhacked. So you're gonna go you're gonna go around the forest, you're gonna go over the forest, you're gonna go under the forest. What are you gonna do? I'm gonna I'm make gonna a perception fuck, I'm, check. I'm gonna go right through it. I'm gonna go right through uh, it. I'm, oh. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna see I'm gonna see if there's any um any suspicious rocks around mm-hmm. uh or 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 branches that maybe seem like mm-hmm. switches. Okay. Uh this so might hap- all be bullshit, but no, so what happens is uh you end up tripping over the rock and falling face uh face forward uh uh into minotaur dung, and Joe just goes through the, the forest directly. And uh, comes out the other side smelling uh, a little bit like roses. Well, you didn't even let me roll. I, fig- I, I figured I it would mean, be like, more like pine or something. But it was, roses? A, it was, a, it was oh, a rose forest. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, it was a rose, such a clatter. Oh, it was. It was. So what the friggin' hell are we doing here, guys? Oh, my God. You guys. Finishing a fucking season. Oh, oh my God. God. Season three finale. Can you believe it? Guys. I can't finale or finally. Am I right? (laughs) Finally, (laughs) Uh, you know, you know, the way how this year has been. Yeah, I can probably say finally. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was a hell of a season, though. It was like it was a fucking jam packed. It it was a jam packed. But, you know, you know, we had obviously, you know, we had, you know, the ups and downs throughout the year. I think we sure did. did. And, you know, with no losing boss rush mode at the beginning of the year. Mm -hmm. Um Right. And me going through like my, my own personal stuff, which is why I you know we haven't made that many of the, the normal episodes that we normally would make in a year. Um yeah, I mean, it was a challenging time. Yeah. And and now we can just move on and you know, just yeah, yeah. Ho- I mean, hopefully season four, season four will be even better. I mean, I mean, I think the important thing is, you know, at the end of it all, I, I am personally proud of what we did this season. I think mm-hmm. that we, um, I think that we had, you know, a, a lot of challenges, like you guys said, and we tried to bob and weave with all the stuff and we ended up having a lot of fun guests on this season. I'm super incredibly proud. Yep. Yeah. I would of- say more so this year than, uh, any other year. Yeah. Yeah, Seems I think like anyway. I think we had I think we had more Briggs this year. It's uh mm. we definitely had less mainline episodes as you said, but we yeah. definitely had um a decent amount of Briggs. Um so actually to get into that, I do have it written down how many not 
uh, compared to last year, but I do have, uh, so we had 35 total episodes in season three. And that includes 16 mainline episodes, 10 crow's nests, and nine people who are slammed in the brig. Woo! Yeah. Damn. That's, so pretty, not, that's yeah. pretty respectable. That's a lot. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Not really awesome. bad. Not boo to do, as, yeah, uh, sure. as I once like to say sometimes. Yes. Yeah. Not boo to do. Uh, not boo to do. Yeah. Pretty cool. And if I look back to the episodes, we had. Um, some some pretty solid freaking guests. I'm I'm looking for the start of it for season three. Our first... I mean, we had Nintendo, hell of a guest. I mean, just a hell, guest. <laughs> a hell of a guest. A hell of a guest. So our guest. it's funny. So our, cool. our very first episode of season three actually was a brig, and it was with author Nicole Givens Kurtz, and she came on to talk about her um her book at the time, which um. A th- I, oh, a theft. Is most... that the Star Wars one? No, no, Star it's Wars a th- book? it's a theft most foul, and oh, uh, the episode was right, called right. Um, "High Quality Bird Puns." It was a lot of lot of bird puns <laughs> in uh, in that <laughs> world. And it's just kind of funny. <laughs> uh, we also got to speak to a couple of my heroes this this season, which I'm just incredibly proud of. We got to talk to concept artist Terrell Whitlatch, who you know was the main creature designer on the Phantom Menace and has worked on Star Wars previously and after that and she's done books and she did a bunch of other movies she was on Brother Bear she did Jumanji the original Jumanji she's just an amazing lady i just cannot believe we got to talk to her it was um, such a such a good interview such a fun time and just surreal you know i mean just like, awesome oh, hey Holy shit! You know, you you worked on so much, so much of the creature design and the 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 few aspects that made those original uh, the, the those prequel trilogy Star Wars movies actually worth watching, right? And uh, you know, I mean, she was she was just super super sweet and uh, yeah. very forthcoming. And every time we've had a guest on that I felt is like you know, um, kind of a hero, and I'm always nervous about like having them on our our show because we go so long and i i never want to like you know annoy them with uh, oh my god we're still talking and we always ask them beforehand just so you guys know we always ask them like do you have time restrictions do you have anything that you know do you have a a hard time you need to leave and everybody's always kind of like no it's fine whatever and then then they end up being these like two two and a half hour episodes (laughs) with these guests i don't know i i mean i know we lock them in the brig supposedly but they they really they really aren't doing that bad so and joe you got to talk to you got to host an amazing brig for one of your heroes somebody we all love Who, who is that Oh my God, Stan fucking Bush. Holy shit. Stan fucking Bush. Talk about oh that. Oh my God. How was that cool. for you? Oh my God. Like, uh, words words can't describe it. It it was so surreal. Like, I, it was. I, I still can't believe that we talked to Stan Bush. Right. I know. Still, it's been for, almost for a year. For that long, right? It's been almost <laughs> a year. Long. And we, I, I can't, I just, I'm getting goosebumps now. Just, just stay about like holy fucking shit we talked to stan bush yeah and he was like he my, was another childhood heroes yeah and he was another one that, i love like, that was music. not a short episode no yeah. and it was fun mm-hmm. it was fun uh you know it was one of those those few episodes where we didn't curse at all <laughs> which is unusual for right. us tried not but, to uh, yeah yeah try not to i think yeah, we tried to be good swing. with terrell as well i i don't i don't feel like i cursed in that episode i'm not sure i don't think so yeah 
Yeah, I think it just depends on the person. I don't know, but I, I don't see myself swearing in front of like Stan Blush or if we were to like ever, <laughs> if we ever talked like Weird Al, it's like, no, no one swears to Weird Al. No one. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, don't oh, you dare say the F word in front of Weird Al. Bust your lip. <laughs> <laughs> that was great, though. I mean, and that that episode is on our YouTube channel. We do have the video version of that. Um, yes. We do. You know, it's funny. We recorded video for the Terrell episode, and we've never done anything with that video. We could we could just throw it up on the um, on the on the YouTube channel. I don't know. Yeah, why we, we could. Don't. Yeah, yeah, I mean, maybe I, we'll do geez, that. I, I thought it was already up there. No, that one, that yeah. one, I just, for some I reason, think, never got that footage to you, Joe. And I don't know, we just yeah, didn't do I, it. I think, I think you wanted to ask her if it was okay with her if we put the video up. I think huh. that was the case. Perhaps. I'm not sure. I mean, I could ask her. I mean, but I did, yeah. I did give her a little shout out in the group the other day and she did like the post, which was cool. I wasn't sure uh, if she would see that, but that was fun. Um, yeah. We also had some cool, like, you know, non-humongous celebrity guests. I mean, those are, those are humongous celebrities for us. We're not getting like Brad Pitt on this fucking show, but um, you know, I mean, we had Josh Neelis who uh, is mm-hmm. from Cutthroat Comics. He came on to talk yep. about his new novel, hellscape even though he mainly does comics he also did he wrote this big new fantasy that, book that was he was a, really that proud was of. a fun one that sure. was a fun one to, to do yeah yeah, yeah. And, and it's uh, cool that he, that he still you know he still interacts with us on, on the yeah. facebook page yeah josh really cool. josh is a cool guy he uh he did send us a voicemail for tonight so uh mm-hmm. you'll be hearing from josh nealis from cutthroat comics a little bit later also uh we got to interview bobby knight jr Bobby Knipe is uh, a great dude. We just did yep. an episode of the Crow's Nest where we talked yep. about Clash at Demon Head. And that was actually all thanks to him. That was him. Yeah. That he, he requested that. And he is fully in just in filmmaking mode now. He's he's doing some like weird shark movie now. Like he's he's yeah, d- he's yeah. doing it. He's making it happen. It's pretty he's cool. He's a filmmaker awesome. for real. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I met him it. once. I met him once a couple of years ago at a, at a convention. He's super nice guy. Oh, like he sweet. actually he actually offered me uh uh a, a hotel room that, that he was staying in he's like oh, hey wow. you know i have an extra bed do you want to do you want to you know if you need a place to stay you know just stay here i'm like dude that'd be so cool but i think i nice. got into control because <laughs> <laughs> at the time i didn't know if, if i was going to have anyone tag along with me to to go to this convention this is like right. in uh, south carolina a couple of years ago right and uh I told him I'd let him know and end up no my brother ended up you know coming with me. So we just got our room together and nice. whatever. But yeah, we still got to hang out and whatever. So <clears throat> okay, cool. That is wicked nice cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's really awesome. tall too. Like he's a really tall guy. Yeah, you can yeah, he's, tell. He's a, big, he's a very tall man and his hair is very long, or at least it was. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't that long when I met him, but yeah. Yeah. He's got looking long hair now. Super, super cool dude. Um yes. uh, we also had my my uh, evil twin, or perhaps I'm the evil one. I'm not sure. I think he's the evil one, but I like. I guess, I guess the evil one would probably say that. So maybe I am right. the evil one. But uh, Stephen Van Patten, uh, he's he's in our awesome episode, Laughing Black Vampire in Brooklyn, and he is from the Laughing Black Vampire Productions. He's an author and a super chill dude i really like this guy a lot we've uh, become friends online and he also sent us a voicemail for tonight which is super cool um 
really cool guy very very interesting conversation we talked about his books we talked about vampires we talked about all sorts of stuff but it's just it's just funny it's just endlessly funny like i like to refer to us both collectively as the steve van somethings <laughs> now i say this to him all the time like oh you got to have the steve van somethings that's like steve that's van somethings yeah, yeah. little steve van something something but i mean that's something you know else saying? that's something else <laughs> Yeah, you're not getting that necessarily. No, you don't get that for free. Not, not necessarily. You might get it, but you might just not necessarily. It's possible. Uh, also, Paul R. McNamee, my very, very good friend, uh, author. Yes. Paul, Paul R. McNamee, who just released his uh, first full length novel, Hour of the Robot. And his episode, Rocking the New Pulp, is actually is actually one of our most successful episodes. Uh, which I'll get to in a little bit, but that was a really fun time. It's always fun having our friends on and it just becomes this big hang fest, you know, we're just hanging out and yeah. And all that good stuff. And it really is a very different dynamic w- with that versus somebody that we just don't right. really people know. you're familiar with versus yeah. total, you know strangers like uh i'm trying not to be uh super fucking weird the whole time uh, yeah like you know just <laughs> super <laughs> self-conscious about it like the whole fucking time <laughs> right it's like you just right. can't help it right like yeah. you get so in your own head yeah. when you're talking to people especially people you are you know you're a fan of it's like i mean god everybody does it like you, you yeah. just can't be you, just can't you can never it. be as cool as you want to be but it's fine <laughs> it's true nobody nobody cares <laughs> but yeah when it's friends and stuff that come on it's just like it's super chill it's super fun i yeah. love i love yeah. having friends on and you know i definitely want to keep doing that well fortunately right. we between uh the youtuber crowd you know that you know joe is friends with and also the author crowd that i happen to know uh we we have a decent pool <clears throat> pool of cool people who are talented and have stuff to promote so yeah it's right. kind of cool kind of cool yeah, it's uh, also cool to hear uh, how successful they're, they're getting with their latest projects too. Like, like with Paul's new book, like I, I hear that's doing really well. Yeah, uh, so far as so as far as I know, it was doing very well, and I know it's in a bunch of libraries too. He was really, really uh, trying to get it in a, f- a few like local libraries, which is really fun and yeah. uh, and stuff. So it's like, ah, oh, you know, gee, you know, you kid goes to the library after school yeah. like like kids probably don't do and uh <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but you know they, they look on the shelf and it's like ah hour of the robot by paul r McNamee. what is this this is pretty fun yeah uh, and then we had a, a brig that was perhaps the one i was perhaps even though it's silly thinking back on it but i was probably most nervous about this one uh and this was an episode that was a supplemental episode of our toys with holograms episode. Does somebody want to talk about this, this interview? Sure. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, the, the episode was, yeah, the toys with holograms episode 62 uh, season three, episode 12. Uh, but, you know, part of, part of this an initial idea, um, this, this episode was one of Steve's ideas that he wanted to do, but um he also did the legwork and reached out and found somebody who actually makes holograms, um, uh, you know, as a holographer. Uh, there, that that is their art form, and found found this individual uh, and and reached out to them and everything, and uh, and then like we weren't able to do it like like stuff happened and and we couldn't quite make it happen and it was right. this whole well thing. it was at and the beginning of it. the summer so it was right when Joe went away. 
Yeah, right. right. And, and then and, we decided like to hold off on the hologram episode. So it didn't make sense. Right. We weren't going to yeah. do one without the other. Right. Uh, and so it's like, OK, you know, some time went by and, you know, it's like you always feel kind of shitty having to, to reschedule or to, to, you know, walk back a, right. an appointment. So or this something is you Travis, make with someone. Travis Packman. Yeah. Was Travis. There. But yeah. Oh, okay. So uh, the the. Travis Paquin is the holographer. And so, you know, later on we made it, we made it work out and we're able to do the episode when Joe came back. Yeah. Uh, and, and had him on uh, and did a, a supplemental brig and Travis got to tell us all about his, his art form and how they're made and, and the whole shtick. And honestly, for like as nervous and, and maybe nebulous of an episode as it was, cause it's like, I don't know exactly what we'll talk about for the whole time. Will, <laughs> right. it, will it be like <laughs> yeah, a 25 right. minute episode or <laughs> right. what? Uh, it was pretty, pretty casual. Like it was honestly a really good, just back and forth shooting yeah. the shit. Travis was yeah. a really just down to earth dude. Uh, very informative and, too. Very, yeah, very, very, you know, good at explaining things and, and educating us on all sorts of different stuff and, you know, mentioning <clears throat> all sorts of different Titans in the, the hologram industry and shit and, and educating us on, on shit that we didn't know about. And, and, you know, some of the things that we said in the, the toys with holograms episode that we weren't, you know, maybe we weren't right about. And he, you know, he corrected us and stuff very politely and whatever. And it, it was awesome. It was a, it was a really good, mm-hmm. uh, it was a good episode. Um, and honestly, I mean, he's doing great out there. He's finally gotten his, uh, his, his main gig now is doing the holograms and selling his art and stuff. Uh, yeah. he, he was able to quote, quit his day job. Yeah. Uh, so that's badass. That, right? That's you amazing. <clears throat> yeah. Really so cool it's, to, to so it's laser, bo- laser boy hollow is the company and you can definitely check them out. We, I, I've been posting his stuff, you know, I've been retweeting and, and uh, posting to the group as well when I see him do a cool thing. Cause he does pretty much nothing but cool things, but yeah, I mean, it was nerve. It was nerve wracking to me because of what you said, like, is this going to fill the time? How are we going to do this? How is this going to go? Right. We really didn't know this guy at all. I had an email right, conversation like, with him and that's right. It. Right. Like, like, how is he going to be on the show? Like, is he gonna be yeah, really are we going to jail? Or whatever. I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't sure. So it's funny, but like Travis, if you're listening, like we were like pretty nervous for that episode and uh, it turned out awesome. And you were a super great guest. And uh, I think we knocked out of the park. Great, great rapport yeah. with each other. And it was just awesome. So thank you once again yeah, for coming on and if fun, you haven't checked fun. it out it's an interesting episode it's a field that nobody really talks about and it's not super easy to explain it's weird right, right. you know it's it's very weird um and then we had uh as far as briggs go i guess the last one of the season was the big one for i mean terrell whitlash well, there's, I, there's two is there two we more mentioned yet oh yeah so what's the other one that's not the last one I'm thinking of? Who did uh, I miss? Well, you the one you just did. Oh, so that's that's not going to air yet. Okay, that's season four. Oh, it's it's still listing as season three in our in our our uh, splash page here. Oh, well, that's weird. Um, <laughs> and let me let me change that. Yeah, I will <clears throat> publishes in one month. Season three. I was like, no, that's no, season four. Uh, yeah, so that's a uh, that's a uh, we do have an episode in the can. We're gonna we're gonna start off season four with. But anyway, the last one of season three proper, we got to speak to Larry Blamire, who's the writer, director, star of The Last, the Lost Skeleton of Cadavra and many other fun, goofy, crazy parody movies like The Lost Skeleton Returns Again and Dark and Stormy Night 
and the trail of the mm-hmm. screaming forehead. And uh, th- this guy is just uh, somebody that we were a fan of. And I happen to have like struck up a internet friendship with like six years ago. And just, I don't Thanks, know, Twitter. Talk- Thanks, Twitter. Like, I don't know what to say. <laughs> right. And then, like, I don't know, I kind of, you know, had been wanting to have him on for a couple of years. And I just wasn't sure, like, what the topic should really be. And it's like, well, I want to talk about, like, Lost Skeleton of Cadaver, but that's probably all he gets asked about. And, like, he's done stuff since. But it's like, oh, but you want to talk about the classic thing that you love the most. But he did that, like, 20 years ago. Well, lo and behold, it's the 20th anniversary and he was talking about it. So it was just like, oh, kismet. Like, let's let's just have him on to talk about that. And then it turned out even even better because he had a he had a Kickstarter that yeah. went up and we yep. were able to schedule it on the same day. So our episode released the same day that the Kickstarter went up and that was for a lost skeleton of cadaver lunchbox. And it was, it was, it was, uh, it was funded, you know, it was funded within a day. Um, so it this actually, is awesome. uh, pretty That's cool. So, so great. everybody who, yeah. So everybody who backed, it's going to get a lunchbox and I'm definitely getting a lunchbox. So I'm pretty excited. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Good, good stuff. So I think that kind of did it for our, our Briggs. Like, and, you know, I have to say that was something that we did not set out to do in season one. We didn't even have the ability to do interview episodes. Mm-hmm. We were recording all together in the studio. We didn't have like an online component. We were all just on microphones plugged into a mixer. Total and- noob status. Yeah. And then, and then it wasn't, it literally wasn't until covid forced us to be in separate places that were like okay let's figure out zoom and then it's like oh well there's now no reason we can't have interviews or guests or whatever yeah Um, so really i mean i think that it's just so awesome that it all worked out the way that it did and we were able to um we're able to add that component and then it's just like a side thing like whatever you know so we have our different different content to do yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And and, you know, between that and then the crow's nest, obviously, is our just whatever the hell. It's everything that doesn't fit into the other two categories. And, and not only did we uh, did we have a ton fun. of Briggs, but we also had a ton of guest uh, guest on True. our our just regular episodes, you know, because, yeah. you know, with the shakeup of yeah. the 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 cast and crew here at uh, at Retro Octopus, we were able to be like, OK, well, we just got three of us going on now. So let's let's bring in other voices. Let's bring in people who, who know about, you know, whatever kind of topic we're talking about. You know, we had the Eddie Murphy episode with old man Wade and super woke Javi and, yep. you know, had all kinds of different fun guests. We had Russ Lyman on to talk about 16 bit games and just like, yep. it was, it was fun keeping like a rotation of just random different people as we thought of it. And it, you know, and it, it happened to work out. So I, I think that was also a really fun yep. element for this season too. Mm-hmm. And something I want to keep doing going forward for sure. Absolutely. Not every episode, yeah. but like for sure. Like if like we know people who are big fans of certain things, like they're gonna be they're gonna be a, a, a major, you know, contribution to an episode. Like we gotta do yeah. it. Right. And I think we've gotten good at kind of deciphering, like, all right, well, this this person, we'd like to have them on the show. Is this the so- sort of person that is putting something out they want to promote that that we want to interview them about or is this mm. just like a friend that is like super into power rangers right 
and just wants to talk about yeah. we also had linda aka the gamer girl joe's buddy from um you met her down at southeast game exchange as yep, well yeah right? at the same yeah at the same time actually i met her first we actually spent uh the whole day just game hunting before yeah. the convention even started so yep i mean that, super that, that was super fun. cool and yeah. uh, J- justin cooper we finally got to have on he's been asking to come on since season one <laughs> right my god he, he was like he's like have you figured it out yet do you know how to have people on <laughs> it's like <laughs> we suck, we're getting there yeah. we're, we're we're stupid we eventually yeah technology is not our best friend and also uh, <laughs> uh a main main's own dj rick johnson uh, came on to talk to me about the dark tower series. Cause I finally, <laughs> I finally finished reading the goddamn thing. It took me like 10 years and uh, I know he was a fan and I just, I know that the eight pit and Nintendo are not fans. They don't, they've never read the books and they don't care. So I'm like, okay, that's fine. Right. I just want to talk to Rick Johnson <laughs> like, right. about this stupid thing. This is my excuse. There's no reason. <laughs> right. There's no reason to torture you guys. It's fine. Like, like whatever, yeah. we'll just do a crow's nest and like, it's fine. Uh, but that's a good example. Like, you know, we didn't interview him about like being a DJ. It right. was about a topic. And also, yeah. of course, Tino, the Sandman just came on. Yep. Yep. Just had him on talking about some underrated uh, cartoons. Cartoons, Yeah. And, 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 you know, that was real fun. That was just a product of uh, I want to have tino on an episode and and what the fuck like i know this dude loves cartoons like let's just see if he's into it and yeah yeah he wanted to come on and it was a great time and uh we also you know shout out to the secret of mana episode i was just on a kick going through all the secret of mana games we were trying to you know come up with some more episodes and whatnot while we were in the the little you know stretch of time there while joe was you know taking some mental health time and much needed and and everything and and so we did uh we did a secret of mana episode just apropos of nothing i was playing through it and i'm like well you know i can't not have eric uh on on the episode you know he's my my buddy uh and and he is just the biggest fan of the mana series ever he will shout to the heavens for the end of time for everyone to play them so uh that was just you know it was like a a great opportunity for that so i think Mm. those experiences have made season three like probably my favorite overall just from all the different sorts of folks that we're getting to interact with in different ways too because it's it's really it's really nice to also be able to say like yeah we we could have had russ lyman on and talk to him about his diy stuff and like interview him but instead we're like let's just talk about like 16-bit hidden gems because like we all like games and that's fun you know right mm-hmm. and, and, who uh, said, and who says we can't do that in season eg- four exactly exactly Exactly. It still right. leaves it open. There's no reason that we can't have these people back around to to, to shoot the shit about something else, but also to talk about what they do. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. I think that's that's super fun. So we are here as you know, like the last two seasons, we're here to talk about classic movies that we haven't seen. And we posted in our Facebook group to you guys if it was a movie that you haven't had a chance to see. And you're finally just starting to, you know, getting getting around to watching said movie, right? And send us a voicemail or email, whatever, and and uh, you know, tell us a little bit about the movie, like like what what you thought of the movie or whatever. And we've kind of grouped that into the second half, 
and uh yes. stuff so yep. it's 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 fun and obviously we have our picks too of uh classic movies that we saw for the first time as well yes. so like we yes. do with the octoponder we'll be answering that as well yes um so some quick analytics about season three um do tell me our so listen, analyze this analyze this uh billy crystal <laughs> uh so listens by agent so this is the uh this is like the platforms so the number one platform by miles and miles and miles. It's so stupid. Apple Podcasts is where everybody's listening to our show. Uh, down from that, uh, so we have uh, 43.7% of people are listening to us on Apple Podcasts. Down from that, they're just listening through Chrome. And then Overcast, which I actually don't even know what that is, but that's, that's a weather app. You yeah, guys are confused. <laughs> but hey, you know, 5.4% are listening on said weather app. So thanks. You guys continue to do that. We appreciate it. Um, also, what are you I guys thought- doing out there on Apple podcasts? You're a bunch of sheeples. Don't let Apple <laughs> ruin you. You listen on the you listen on your toaster, or you don't do it at all. Um, okay, I was going to track you. If you listen <laughs> on Apple Podcasts. So for this, I use my fridge. For this year, um, I have listens by country. I'm not going to go at, dig in any deeper than that, but listens by country. Well, if uh, any of them are from Iceland, we know who it is. So there's <laughs> one from Iceland. Motherfucking- no, it's, no, oh, no, no, it says there's three. <laughs> we know who that there's, is. There's three. So it's it's uh, Birker and uh, two of his friends. That's what it my is. My fucking guy, Birker. <laughs> aka burger <laughs> uh, so uh it says this view shows the locations of devices listening to your episode so these are unique devices so it's possible that uh he has same, three phones it's the same person listening on his phone versus oh. the at home on the computer that's that's possible no, but man, uh, he's got three phones because he's out there fishing <laughs> on the fucking big water he, he doesn't want to drop is. his only phone uh, our buddy, our buddy Berker, uh, he also sent us a voicemail tonight, so that's pretty fun. We don't know how to pronounce his name, not like a tourist, but we're gonna we're gonna keep trying. Um, so Ber- number one, Berker. so I'll read the top <laughs> five and the bottom five, okay? Because there's actually okay. a decent amount of countries. So uh, so number one, a hundred percent is the United States. It's, it's Yugoslavia. Not even close. Oh, uh, United Yugoslavia, I think, is on here. Uh, no, no. Shut up. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't even think Yugoslavia is a country anymore. Right? I don't think it is. No, it's it's like Iran now or something. I don't know. Uh, no, that was Istanbul, Constantinople. I don't know. I'm trying. I'm trying to think of the, the lyrics. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> you don't come to the show for history. We're stupid. So United States, uh, we have two thousand two hundred and twenty nine unique devices. Then it's United Kingdom with seven seven seven, which is the neighbor of the beast. Or not really, but I think no, it's six it's, six seven. Six six seven <laughs> yeah. is the neighbor of the beast. Yeah. Seven seven uh, seven is just not. It's just nothing. <laughs> That's just lucky. <laughs> it's God's oh, yeah, it's number. Lucky. It's okay. lucky. Uh, you, then you get actually, all the, you get the critical hits in Final Fantasy Seven when you have that. <laughs> right. uh, down to number three with one hundred and seventeen uh, unique devices is actually Germany. Wow! Surprise! Oh, shit! Yeah. Uh, and number nice. four, 103 devices is Canada. Oh, or, America's hat. Or as I like to call it, Canada. 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 It's, it's Canada. I love Canada. Yeah, I love Canada. <laughs> oh, Canada. There. 
Oh, Canada. My uh, home uh, and native, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, number five is, believe it or not, Belgium. We have 70 wow. well, that's, devices. That's Belgium. crazy. French people hate American people, uh, right? Think. So, okay. So, bottom, bottom five are all one. Okay, so technically okay. the bottom, the bottom like twelve are all one, but I'll read the bottom five. Um, so I guess it becomes probably uh, alphabetical. But we have Venezuela, uh, oh, Thailand, Venezuela. oh, Slovakia, Portugal, and Kuwait. Huh. Kuwait, there's more. But Kuwait. <laughs> we also have two in New Zealand. Just a fun, fun shout out to New Zealand. Oh, that's uh, neat. Was that was that from Haley when she was in New Zealand? Uh, no, she, that wouldn't be this Haley, year. Haley does not listen to our show. Uh, <laughs> shout, out, shout out to shout out to my oldest. Um, all right, so we have now the top episodes. This is by uh, listens, and the way that they define that is it says the view shows the episodes which receive the most listens in the selected time period. All right, so just listens. Yeah, that's that wasn't helpful. All right, so this is in the previous year. Okay, this is in a year's time. Oh, Our nice. top episodes, I'm going to read them like fifth up to top, to top, top number one. The top to tip, top, tip, to do. I'm confused, but okay. go. Okay, I'm going to go five, four, three, two, one. Okay, so number five, coming in at number five. <laughs> With 119 listens, it is the Crow's Nest. Greetings from Adventure Island. Why the ah. fuck do you guys give a shit about Adventure <laughs> Island? All the random video game shit that we covered that gets very few listens. Very few. I understand. I get it. I get we're it. on an island here, but on but... the episode that we're actually on a fucking yeah. island, they you guys love it. So that was the only crow's nest that crossed 100, although there are two in the 90s. But that was the only one that actually crossed 100, and it's 119. So kind of funny it's kind of funny heart swell and then uh coming in at number four with 123 listens we have episode 62 toys with holograms slash we got rubson we got rubson so that was the episode that was the episode the travis interview went with that was the supplemental episode episode had 10 listens this week yeah it's weird. Yeah. So it's out there smashing the play button. I don't know, but toys with Crazy. holograms. Pretty cool. And then we have yeah. uh very, very, very proud of this one. I just cannot believe. I'm just pleased as punch, as they say, as the kids say. I see. Uh, 127 listens. The only brig that made it into the top five. It's none of the celebrities. It is my boy, Paul R. McNamee, rocking the new pulp. Paul, you're a celebrity in our hearts. 127 yes. episodes. And that's gotten like like 27 episodes in the last uh, 27 listens in the last two weeks. And that's an older episode. So because yeah. I remember just like two weeks ago telling them, oh, you crossed 100. You're like the first one to do that. And it's like now it's 127. So they're just up. But if I told you that I built a small computer that only can run overcast with the sole purpose of <laughs> listening to this episode <laughs> over it, and over I, and over again, I would say that that makes that makes some sense. <laughs> oh, uh, I didn't do that. But what if I oh, said that's good. that? Uh, you what did just say that. that. Oh, just now. Okay. You that did. was my outside voice. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Coming in at number two. Shouldn't have said that. <clears throat> with 132 <laughs> listens. We have episode 61. So right next to the 62 toys with holograms. So this is the one right before it. Themes from a memory three memory. total retroids live to tape. To tape. 
Very, yeah, that's very crazy. fun episode. Those, this those was are a, always yeah. so fun. This was I a love, Joe episode. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. This is one of your recurring themes. So this was your third time doing themes from memory. Yeah. Yeah. Was a lot how, fun. Many, how many of you out there actually get that that's a Dream Theater reference? Raise your hand. I'm, I'm counting. <laughs> Probably like us <laughs> raise your hand adam letourneau <laughs> no adam, adam, adam letourneau definitely gets it adam adam Letourno, Letourno, yes. we also yes. have a an awesome voicemail from adam tonight but that's pretty funny yeah no that that is true that is a that is a dream thing <laughs> um all right so uh episode the so <clears throat> top the episode of the year forgot. so top episode of the year okay ready ready i'm ready my butt is ready all right, that's my. I don't know if you can hear it. I'm doing. I'm doing a little. A little I'm drenching. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And 139 listens. We have episode 60. Nintendo Hard: The Triumphant Return of Nintendo. Fuck yes. yeah! If that doesn't speak volumes. I don't know what does. The I Triumphant Return it. of Nintendo broke the stratosphere Dude, with listens I, and we did like no skewing was done no nothing no like no i did funny not business, build no a numbers. small computer to listen to that no episode. numbers were fudged <laughs> legitimately people came out in droves for the return of nintendo to support our buddy and and that is just the most beautiful thing ever and i just cannot possibly be more happy that that got the most listens this season so yeah, thank you guys so freaking much for sticking yeah, with us really this year awesome. and uh I just it means I just a lot love it. for sure. Love it. Yep. Yeah, it's it's fucking awesome. Thanks so much, guys. So I'm done. That's all the analytics I was I thought would be fun to share. Sweet. Um, Did we want to yes. go into the, the other part of our, our little questionnaire? Or do we want to just jump into the meat and potato? Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. So go go for it, Joe. We, we had some questions written down. Oh, yes. For ourselves. Yes. We, we have we have three questions and uh, each one of us will answer them differently yes (laughs) i'm gonna answer whatever Hmm. you say Hmm. like i'm gonna use my elbow to answer no one else my favorite flavor is peanut butter and 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 pickles yeah damn it i'm going to use my ass (laughs) yeah see ass and elbows totally different i can (laughs) tell the difference that's what sausages are made out of (laughs) oh yeah i never learned (laughs) how the sausage was made you're not supposed to learn but i know okay (laughs) it's forbidden knowledge all right so what do we got what are the questions joe okay so the first question is what was your favorite episode you didn't host and we will start with ape and alchemy uh so i i think my favorite was uh 16-bit hidden gems with russ lyman uh honestly it's just a topic that i will never not have fun talking about um, and it was just really great to hear like some of the, the different picks that people had. And I had a great time just going over it. Like I could do five more episodes like that and have a great time from like every console generation. We could do hidden gems. And I'm sure you totally. guys out there would listen to it exactly 32 times and not one listen more. And that's OK, <laughs> because it'd be really fun to do anyway. We, as, uh, as, as we said, we, we're on an island. We get it. Uh, right. we, we can put Adventure <laughs> Island in there. Is that what, is that <laughs> is that what you yeah. want? Is that what you fucking want? <laughs> Top 10 hidden gem Adventure Island games. Uh, yeah, no, that was that was a really fun episode. Uh, and it was great to have Russ on yeah. um, after, you mm-hmm. know, he's been uh, a friend for a while. And, and, you know, Joe's introduced him to all of us. And it's yeah. just been, uh, it's been cool. So that was a really fun time. 
Yes. Yeah, Russ totally. is a is a, is a good good human. Is Definitely. Good human. Definitely. Very talented. Very talented. And uh Russ and got married this year. So this congr- year, yeah. So, so congrats, congratulations to Russ. For- yes. I, I met his wife. You are Cong- winner. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> A winner is you. A winner, winner is, is you. <laughs> <laughs> I got to meet his wife at Retro World. So yes, oh, yeah, yeah, we, got to, we got to meet her. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to meet her too. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I went nice. with my girlfriend Stephanie, and Russ was like, "Oh, hey, this is my Stephanie," and I was like, "This is weird." <laughs> <laughs> and Stephanie looked I'm at like, Stephanie, and she's like, "It's, it's me. It's me." And I'm just like, Watch "I'm the third wheel." <laughs> I'm the third wheel here, so. <laughs> or maybe the fifth wheel. I was gonna say fifth wheel, wheel but the fifth five <laughs> wheelers are way, way cooler than three wheelers. That's that's true. That's true. Yeah, that's yeah. Used to that was a great episode, though. Yeah, for sure. A, it was, that, a, that was great, a lot of fun. So thanks for coming on, Russ. And yeah, anytime anybody wants to come back, just let us know, man. Like it's it's one of those yeah. things. If you guys yeah. do have anything you want to promote please shout out to us like send slide into our dms do whatever you want post on the page or just knock on the door it's fine i mean sliding is weird sometimes <laughs> I, like you don't have to be weird you can be weird we're weird too you can you can hop on a uh, hop on icq and go oh <laughs> right oh my god i mean i i miss icq i really do <laughs> I know that, we should oh talk. We should God. have an episode about like retro fucking chat apps. We could like, do that. Aim, yeah. aim, yeah. ICQ, like <laughs> Yahoo, uh, Ventrilo. I, Yahoo I love Yahoo yeah. Messenger so much. Yahoo Messenger had the greatest uh, like emojis at the time. I loved the emojis because you'd have to type in the code for it. You couldn't just select them. Right. And it yeah, was just actually, oh, no. it was so, it was so fun. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I loved it. Nice. All right, so the next one we'll go with uh, we'll go with uh, Parasite C because uh, our answers are the same. Yeah, well, that's so true. I'll just I'll just I'll just add on <laughs> to what uh, to what you say. Um, it's it, you know it, it's Nintendo Hard Triumphant Return of Nintendo of you Triumphant Return of, <laughs> of you. <me. laughs> I uh, I can't I can't say that wasn't my favorite episode. That was a uh, that was Nate Bit Alchemy hosted episode. Yes, and yeah. uh, that was you know. So it, not only was it your return, it was Nintendo hard. So it was an episode that we had intended to record back like three months earlier. Um, right. And honestly, like it's a really fun topic. I was excited to talk about anyway. Yeah. And then yeah. it turned into also your big triumphant return, which was such a fun topic to come back on, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Like we yeah. talked about Nintendo games that are like legitimately really, really hard, but also ones that we liked. So it wasn't just like yeah. this game is just total bullshit. We we like this game, but it is very difficult. And, um, you know, that we like it for X and Y and Z. But right. it was yeah. a fun episode overall. I really liked it. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. probably would have picked this episode, too. But like I was disqualified. Yes, you were because uh, like, <laughs> I, 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 I kind of yes. hosted it. You did. <laughs> um, I, I was really happy that you came back too, Joe. It's not like I didn't I didn't want to pick that one. Okay. <laughs> he I literally, just, literally my cooked. my hams were tied. His hands. <laughs> you had ham cuffs on. <laughs> That's okay. I still think you're cute. Oh, thanks, cute gang. <laughs> thanks, cute gang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean I picked the same episode because yeah, it was my my return. You no, know, yeah. finally, you know, you know, be feeling strong enough to come back to doing. Yeah. Anything active. 
after right. having like a, like a near mental breakdown or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it really was a challenge to do this episode, but <laughs> it was so worth it because it was so much fun. And it just like, remind me why, why I love doing this so much. And, and it's just a lot of fun. I'll get to hang out with you guys. Just talk about, you know, geeky shit and, yeah, yeah, I mean, and, and try awesome. the good stuff in life. Absolutely, right? yeah. love love this episode. <clears throat> it was refreshing. <laughs> yeah, I can sit like at my computer. Nice, I can sit. Coke. I can sit at my computer and do stuff as opposed to laying on the couch all day, <laughs> right. watching Star Trek, <laughs> binging mad episodes of Picard. Oh my god, I'm still binging. Haven't stopped. As long as you, you're not purging. Yeah, you gotta. You no, gotta at least. I mean, you gotta purge a little. No, no, <laughs> never. Purge. I thought I thought <laughs> no. the phrase was binge and purge sometimes. Purge. Uh, <laughs> no? Sometimes they say that. Oh, sorry. It's usually sometimes. just binging all the all the day. I think is what they say. <clears throat> all the day long. What? what? <laughs> all the day long live. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm glad you came back when you did. It was a. It turned out to be a pretty strong rest of the season. I think. I think yeah. we really finished. Yeah, well. yeah. We um, rallied. Yeah, we were only one episode off from completing our full cycle because technically we try to end on the same host that started the season. So that would have been 8-bit. So we were yeah. literally one <laughs> off. So that's pretty good. That's yeah, pretty good. That's not, only not one. Too bad. Like, not bad. We we almost mm. did it. We're like one off. So 8-bit, if you want to start next season, then start next season. You know, like that's that's cool. And I, I, can't, I can't wait to do the episode that's your going to be your first episode i know we all i'm 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 stupid pumped i'm stupid pumped the amount of the amount of field research aka loki obsessions (laughs) that i've gone through right for it are (laughs) are just unlike any other i'm so excited for it like and it's a topic that it's a topic that we've been talking about on the 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 group the facebook group a lot and and that retroids really got involved in which yeah, is really, people, really fun. People like to, yeah. to talk about this thing. So if yeah. you know, you know. And if you don't know, we'll see you on season four, episode yeah, one. Yeah, we'll see you in a but couple that's weeks. that's not the end. That, that really felt like the cadence to the end of an episode. But we're not done. Yeah. Shut up. We still have an hour and 45 minutes. Okay, ago. okay. So what's, <laughs> an, <laughs> what's the next question? Right. <laughs> next question. Next, next question. What bonus episode do you think deserves more listens than it has? So we'll go with Steve this time. Um, well, I, I think uh, I'm going to go with the Brig, the Wildlife of Star Wars with concept artist Terrell Whitlatch. This episode, uh, obviously, I have already spoken on. I'm very proud of it. It was a very yeah. fun conversation. I really mm-hmm. think that if you are a Star Wars fan at all, um, it's worth checking out. I mean, she talks about the creation of a lot of classic characters and creatures and stuff i mean love them or hate them this lady is the lady who designed the look of jar jar binks and it wasn't just one you know one design you know like that's what that's what lucas went with this is a lady who is working with lucas every day cranking out you know you cranking know, out design after design after having design. an intense scientific right. knowledge of anatomy and biology right and knowing how to draw yeah. them realistically is just what makes the creatures in those movies so fucking compelling is because right. they they don't feel like someone just cooked it up out of a crazy ass you know right. fever dream. It's like no, there was thought put into how they could potentially be real. 
Right. And that's that's everything. Exactly. And and this is a lady who is like her heroes are like the Ralph McQuarries are like the people who designed the creatures for the from the first one. We talked about like what's her favorite, you know, creature of all time, not necessarily one that she made, but like from the old trilogy. And uh, I just couldn't believe it because it was it was my favorite as well. So that was a really fun moment. But um, yeah, so if you are interested in Star Wars, uh, check that episode out. It's uh, yeah. it's a really cool interview. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yep. All right, Tiam, what's yours? Uh, so I, I'm going to go back to uh, Princess Leia was not a hologram, our interview with holographer Travis Backwin. Um, I mean, I think that one's just kind of an easy one for me because it, it really did turn out so fucking good. And I know yeah. how I would be if I was if I was a subscriber to a podcast and I was scrolling through the episodes, that's not a title I probably would have clicked on because I don't know if I would even know what the fuck I was getting into. But honestly, like it, it's just it's hard to conceptualize what we're talking about. But it's like it's it's holograms. It's fascinating. It's very scientific. It's it's very much a a complex art form and it's cool as shit. And I think that our mm. our dynamic was really great in that episode with Travis. He still hasn't emailed me back if he wants to be my best friend, but I'm still waiting. Oh, so, just keep waiting. <laughs> just just wait uh, a little yeah, no, more. I mean, be I, patient. I, I've already slid into his DMs like 10 times. So I feel like 11 is maybe pushing it. Um, I was thinking about texting his mom. But then I realized that I, I would, number. I, w- I would, I would definitely um, text as But yeah, so I, I'm working, I'm working on that. But like, um, I mean, you know, th- that aside that like very normal, healthy relationship aside, um, <laughs> I think, I think you guys should probably listen to it because it's a really cool episode. It is, and, uh, sure. and uh, I just, you know, it, it's only got 40 listens. And I think, I think the Briggs oftentimes bring people in because, you know, that stuff's fun. But uh, check it out. You know, maybe maybe give give a shot for uh, you know an, a a subject matter expert on something. Maybe you know you never knew you were interested in learning about. Right. Uh, I, th- I think it's right. cool. I think it's a cool one. Right. Right. Nice. Sweet. So I'm gonna go with the obvious one here. Uh, he's got the touch with Transformers <sighs> rocker Stan Bush. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, honestly, I I think I, I want to say he's probably like the biggest celebrity that we've had on the show. Um, yeah, yeah, I think like, so. I think yeah, so. Yeah. yeah. And I'm just really surprised that it <clears throat> doesn't have that many listens. Agreed. I mean, it, Agreed. It's got like, it's got like 59 listens as right. of right now. Right. Right. And I don't know. It's like, even like on our YouTube channel, it's like the views are not high at all. It's like less than a hundred. And I just, I don't understand. Mm. Uh, maybe maybe I didn't tag tag it right, or I, I don't know. I don't know. It's just really weird to me. Yeah, so I, mean, I actually changed the names of, of that episode and the one with Terrell because my thinking is, that what I learned is the way that um, the way that Pinecast handles metadata is it just goes by the name of the episode, not the subtitle name, but like just the name. And there's no other way to add keywords, which is really a flaw of Pinecast as a platform, I think. Um, Yeah. When we were on Buzzsprout, every episode you could go in and and you could put a bunch of keywords in. But with this, it's literally just going by the title. So for that one, it was originally called He's Got the Touch with Rocker Stan Bush. But I, I added the word Transformers in there. 
with Transformers right. Rock or Stan Bush in the hopes that perhaps somebody yeah. may find it that way. And originally, uh, the wildlife of Star Wars was called Creatures Real and Imagined. So if you were thinking, if you noticed a change, not that I think anybody did, but it wasn't your imagination. Uh, I think Creatures Real and Imagined is a great title. It's actually a title of one of her books, but it's um, unfortunately not uh, not on the nose enough, I think. So I changed yeah. it to The Wildlife of Star Wars, which is another one of her books. One of my favorite books of all time, I will say. It's like a field yeah. guide, um, like imaginary field guide. But yeah, so I think that really, you know, I'm going to try to make sure that the the names are clever. Yes, but also they have to be on the nose. So, right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I actually, I have a small anecdote that I want to share um, cool. quickly about the Stan Bush episode. So, uh, so after that episode, you know, I mean, you know, all leading up to it and stuff, we were listening to Stan Bush like crazy, and you know, still yeah. continue to listen. Still, to it, still listen. Bush. Yeah, um, I just listened never- to his last album and. Like last it's, week, it's so fucking good. It's, it's like, so good. Like it's nothing's so good. gonna change that. I was like, nothing's gonna stand in our way. Not tonight. Not, not, <laughs> not tonight. Much, but you know, it's just, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's relevant. Um, but anyway, so so I was going through his whole discography and everything, and there was one album that I could not find anywhere like online uh, to listen to, and that is his album Dial Eight One Eight Eight Eight. 8638 and it is just like a very weird title and i remember i asked him about it and he said i think it was like a like a, a fan club hotline number or something at that time for stan bush and, and yeah whatever uh but you know it it turns out that this album just wasn't available fucking anywhere and so i was like well you know I'll, I'll go online maybe i can find it uh find a vinyl find it on on cd or something like that so i, I did i managed to find it uh, a cd someone was selling it on ebay and i picked it up and it was like 18 bucks or something and it was free shipping and yada yada so i'm like cool great th- it's gonna come in i'll get a chance to listen to it whatever so i finally get it to, it comes in in the mail and i i am just truly not prepared for what it what it came in and how it got to me okay uh, so oh, no it, i know i mean it's it's cool uh so okay. it okay. it came in an envelope that had a foreign language written all over it and it is from alexi kochetkov in Soma, like uh samori russia wow. and there is hold on I appreciate the patience through that silence. There is 20, <laughs> 20 stamps on this. Wow. What? 20 Russian stamps on it. And it is like, not only are there stamps, but there's also like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, like other black ink stamps on it. I saved the packaging because it was just the coolest fucking thing. Uh, and yeah, it's just got Russian language written all over it. And I, I could not believe it that I, I didn't pay a red cent for shipping. I, I, so I didn't even think about where it was coming from. Right. And, and it got to me and I was like, holy shit, this is crazy. This is so neat. I have to keep it. Uh, and then also the album itself turned out to be really fucking good. Um, and it, it has some awesome tunes on there. Uh, it turns out that there is a full album available to listen to on YouTube, um, but there mm-hmm. are no official uh, places to stream it. Apparently, I learned from Stan Bush later that that uh, his current website still sells all of his back catalog, which I yeah. did not realize. And I, you know, probably would have just done that. But uh, now I got to, you know, have an interaction with Alex- Alexei Krachetkov uh, and his 20 stamps from Russia. 
and, and that's just cool. <laughs> you know, it's like it was it was right. a neat a neat kind of thing to have happen. Yeah, very cool. Sure. Nice. So that's, sure. that's my that's my anecdote. And, uh, nice. and I'll see you guys next time on. Right, and <laughs> and we're done. the more you know, GI <laughs> Joe, yeah, uh, real American shit. That's a little different. I'm screwing. I'm mixing metaphors. I don't know. Nice, dude. Nice. So, how is yeah, the that's, album? That's really cool. It's it's really good. It's very it? good. Uh, the first song is "I've Got It Bad for You," and it just it kicks ass. Like it it really just hits hits strong and starts off with this great riff. Uh, it's it's a plus. I mean, not like any of his albums are bad. Honest to God, like it's such a weird, it's a weird thing to to have be honestly true. But like, there's not a bad Stan Bush album. It's like they're all they're all I have good. to agree. They're yeah. all fucking yeah. good. It's so nuts. Um, I don't know how he does it, but yeah, it's a it's a really great album. I'm super yeah. happy about it. I just I can't believe how awesome he still sounds. Yep, still, for sure. No. For like, sure. Yeah, and in the episode we we said that to him, and he's like, "Oh, yeah, thanks, yeah, guys." Yeah, you know, like, yeah, I'd ask him about it, like how yeah. does he keep his voice in shape, and he's like, "Well, I just don't tour." <laughs> Right, basically, right. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't play a lot of shows. Like, oh, okay, well, so you know, which makes a lot of sense when you think about it, right? If yeah. you're touring, you know, you know, even if it's like forty dates a year, something. I mean, like, my God, you're you're killing yourself for yeah three hours a night or whatever, all those times, or even if it's like yeah. twenty dates a year. I, I mean, remember like- watching that show on VH1 uh, behind the music, and and uh, it was with Bon Jovi. And uh, they were on tour for like, I don't know, like three years for, for uh, Slippery When Wet. Yeah. And it got to a point where uh, John couldn't sing. I bet. Because because they were playing literally every fucking night. Yeah. yeah. Every fucking night with hardly a day off to get rest. And I mean, how the hell a, can you possibly keep that? How up? can you? I don't. I don't even. Yeah, know. And, and and he had to use steroids for his vocal cords in order to push yeah. through the, the tour. Like that can't be good. No, I don't know. That's crazy. Like, oh, that's that's just nuts. But it's I cool. Never cool. Stan just plays by his own rules, and you know he keeps pumping out records, and they're exactly what he wants to make. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Granted, granted, it's not popular at all. Right. But the episode should be more popular. That's what I Let's think. Oh, oh, yeah, that's what we're getting at here. Yeah, that's like, really yeah, the point. It should be that's more really popular. I that's all I'm really trying to say. Sauerkraut. A, that's, that's all I'm really trying to say. <laughs> you were you right there with me, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. All right. Next question. The final question. What mainline episode of yours was the most challenging to pull off or... or and and or are you and most or. proud of <laughs> so i guess I'll, I'll start this one off yeah um i would have to say uh themes of memory three uh total retroids live to tape um yeah it, again it's like you know it's my very first episode uh hosting since coming back right uh it, it was a challenge because i didn't know how well i would be able to handle it mentally mm. um and it ended up just being fine. No, I was like good throughout the whole time. And yeah. uh and putting the show together was a ton of fun. I originally wanted to do like video game music, like in uh the first themes from memory. Oh no, 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 I'm sorry, we didn't do that. No, we 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 still did uh uh sitcoms. 
yeah it was tv shows cartoons and sitcoms i think yeah all, yeah, so all the way through i'm yeah, pretty sure it's yeah. been the same over time yeah yeah um but that the original plan was to play video game music but we decided not to because steve and tim did like a bunch of like uh uh, crow's nest with video games video, yeah, video so games all video summer yeah all, all summer we, we figured yeah, that so you know like, we okay let's just take a luck. break from yeah so let's take a break from video games and yeah uh yeah so we'll just go with the tried and true formula of doing uh sitcoms and cartoons or whatever and which was a lot of fun and and i did a follow-up episode on my own uh themes of memory part uh three part two and that did well uh surprisingly right because we got uh, so many requests so many that requests was, yeah it's like because they're all requests that, that we took i don't think we yeah. did that in previous years did we no no this is our we just first did our time yeah, the requests. all request live was like that that was kind of right was, that I was like the total retroid live part part of it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. which i thought was a lot of fun that well, yeah absolutely do it again next yeah. year too yeah, I mean, any any episode opportunity that pops up to get more interaction from from you guys and and stuff like that just makes it so much more fun for us. And obviously it gets right. more engagement and, you know, everyone's busy and everyone's got shit going on. So, you know, even one person participating is uh, is an awesome, mm-hmm. awesome turnout for, for, for sure. just, you know, having having a little bit of extra, you know, something special. in an Absolutely. Episode. Absolutely. Right. But right. yeah, but there, it, were, there were so many, like Joe's literally like, I think we're going to have a three and a half hour episode. Maybe I should just like do a separate episode. <laughs> do a separate one. I, yeah. I think I yeah. might break the internet. Right. So we're like, okay, everybody will just get one pick. Because what happened yeah. was a lot of people asked for like two or three things. Yeah. We yeah. said like one. Whoa, and they're like, hold okay, on now, I baby. Just, I'm not ready for that kind of that commitment. Kind of commitment. <laughs> <laughs> the Columbia Record Club. <laughs> Whoa! Hold on, hold there, on baby. There. <laughs> I'm just not ready for that kind of commitment. Yeah. Uh, so, just, I mean, for me, yeah. the icing on the cake is obviously the listens. It's like, wow! Like, it's yeah. like the most successful episode for you know, the, re- the recurring episode of mine. Right. Yeah. So and it was the that's, overall that's number awesome. two, right? Wasn't that? Yeah, yeah, the second I, most popular one. Yeah, yeah, this is awesome. So cool. So mm-hmm. yeah, you yeah you were uh, you did well, Joe. Your return was number one, and your uh, it was your fucking episode. triumphant. It was non heinous. Yes, your uh, sure. show hosted episode was the highest rated episode. Very very cool. Very cool. very cool. I definitely want to do the total total request again for sure. Even if we do if we do uh, video game music, if people think that'd be fun and that you guys would you know be interested in requesting songs, that'd be great. Yeah, for sure. All right, we'll go with Avery Alchemy again. Okay, Uh, so the episode I think was the most challenging for me uh, was the joy of Bob Ross, and and I think the reason for this one, you know, I think we've we've talked about it amongst ourselves a lot so like i think you guys kind of already know but um it was just a topic that i really wanted to cover like it was really important to me because it's something that brings so many people so much joy and and has for so many generations now like it's it's you know from when it was on tv to people watching it on twitch 24 hours a day streaming it you know uh and he's just such an incredibly amazing person that like even when that documentary just came out this year, uh, 
like the it was trepidation and and anxiety surrounding it and people were nervous about it revealing him as like something awful and it's like no no actually believe it or not he's just a fucking incredible person right because uh, that yeah. title and, i right. mean the title is happy accidents betrayal and greed so we're right. like oh my god yeah. is bob ross going to be revealed as a not perfect human being and it's like nope Nope. Everything was nope, just what happened to him and what happened around him and his legacy and everything. And, and it's just a whole series of, of stuff that make you feel bad about what ended up happening to his legacy and shit. But uh, also that makes you episode... feel bad for buying any merchandise with uh, Bob Ross's picture on it or little Big. pops or anything, anything yeah. that's Bob Ross. Yeah. It does not go to where it should go to. It goes to the yep. people that ripped him off and it really sucks. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I, yes, I, I have stuff. I have stuff, too. Like yeah. you know, yeah. I actually yeah. bought. I actually bought Tim a a Nega figure. Yep, I, I'm looking at him right now. I have him in my my uh, my office. Uh, Do you sleep with him every night? I don't. He's in my office. I don't sleep in my well, office. What the Joe. fuck? You're supposed fuck? to. You're supposed to. Okay. That's why they call it an office because that's where your oh. bed is. In the why did I never make that connection? (laughs) I mean, I mean, I mean, he's got to paint you happy dreams, right? (laughs) Happy little dreams, happy little dream trees. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so anyway, dreams too. Any size dream you want, it'll be the right size for you. It will be okay. You'll slap the devil out of it. Um, (laughs) beat the devil out of it. I love this part. Very ah, white. Very white. All right. Uh, yeah. So th- this episode was just tough because we always have a way to weigh in on everything. And my my point was like the episode couldn't just be all of us going, yeah, Bob Ross was cool, man. And then that'd be the end. So yeah. it turned into like a, a retrospective, you know, biography episode of Bob Ross and everything that happened to him. And I think we were able to separate it out and, and have each person have something to say. Uh, and I think it ended up working working how i wanted it to um mm-hmm. whether or not it was interesting to listen to or successful or whatever i don't know that's up to you guys yeah. but i was really happy of it uh, of, of being able to pull it off and and having that out there and and being able to check that one off the list you know because yep. that that one and and jim henson were kind of how i started the season for hosting um because they were just two icons that were super important to me uh and yeah i i think it was a, a a great episode and a good success for us uh, and showed that we can kind of kind of know a little bit about what the fuck we're talking about mm-hmm. once in a grand while and not yeah. just shoot from the hip. Right. <laughs> um, but you know, we're still shooting from the hip because it's still fun. <laughs> we kind of got it out, out of our system, all the term paper episodes, I think. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah. Nice. Yeah. All right, Parasite Steve, what's your pick? Well, it's in the same vein as as Tim's pick, actually. It's another term paper episode. It's uh, episode 62, Toys with Holograms, slash We Got Rub Sign. Uh, yeah, this, this was the same sort of thing. I was I was nervous about it for the same reasons. I didn't know if I was going to be able to pull it off, but I thought it was a interesting subject, and I was trying to educate myself about holograms and the creation of holograms enough that I would be able to actually talk about it And that was sort of what put it in my head that, gee, maybe there's somebody out there who's, you know, making these things right now. And and that led me to eventually find Travis. But the initial idea was to just talk about uh, toys that had holograms. 
And uh, I knew off the top of my head that there was definitely battle beasts. There was definitely visionaries and there was definitely the supernaturals. And I thought there had to be others. And you know what? There aren't. There just aren't. They're those three. That's it. Yeah. That's <laughs> yep. it. Yeah. It just, yep. it just never took off. Like Transformers had the rub signs, but like, yeah, pretty much there were no other like toys that really, really right. used holograms. And, and we learned that rub signs aren't even really holograms, according to Travis. They're just kind of like a heat activated thing. Yeah. But- uh yeah yeah so it's 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 different yeah. it's in the episode we we do talk about that the distinction of what the difference is between a, yeah. a rub sign and a true like three-dimensional hologram but the technology is um it's it's related somehow and it's similar yeah. materials i think but uh he does he does explain that in his his interview episode but yeah this this one toys with holograms i was really nervous about i actually had this idea for season one and didn't know how to pull it off and i wasn't really sure and eventually just said screw it this i think for a lot of us became the season where we're like yeah it doesn't matter if we're nervous about doing an idea let's just say screw it and you know throw caution to the wind and do our best and i think that uh with like you said the jim henson episode was another one that you know it was a lot of a lot of research and also the konami episode with linda that was another one that like joe joe put a lot of you know research into that and we all kind of had things to say including linda that was you know kind of reading from you know we prepared a a google doc and we all shared it and you know we're all kind of reading from this and whatever um yeah but you know uh good stuff i i'm proud of it and i you know we've obviously mentioned it numerous times already but check check it out toys with holograms yeah yeah check it out you guys yeah yeah all right so that's it for the 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 questions yeah and uh so uh what do you guys think should we go to a commercial break or Mm -hmm. yeah so so remind everybody what what the question was mr nintendo the question was what was your 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 first time viewing of a classic film like the movie that you haven't seen yet that they, they've known about but you just never had a chance to see right and you're just getting to see it now so after we go through this commercial break we will give you guys our picks and then we will play the voicemails for you guys yeah so let's just do that let's just cut right now to the commercial slam Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, Get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. Hi, this is Stan Bush from Transformers the Movie, and you're listening to Retro Octopus. You got the touch. Hello, this is Terrell Whitlatch. I am the lead creature designer for The Phantom Menace, among other things. And you are listening to Retro Redoctopus. <laughs> Attention, this is the lost skeleton of Cadavra. And you are listening to Rancho Notorious. No, wait. No, that's 
Retro-Redoctopus. I am learning so much. It's, you know, it, uh, it sounds to me like a kind of in the zone phrase, like, hey, how'd it go today? Oh, man, I was Shabibin. I was Shabibin. This is Larry Blamire, the director of Lost Skeleton of Cadavra, and you are listening to Retro Redoctopus. Oh, yeah. Hey, are you ready to do some bacon? It's about that time where we ask you, the audience, to octo ponder this. All right, we are back, and uh, I hope you guys are still with us. And uh, so we will start uh, talking about our classic films that we finally got to watch for the first time and uh, just, you know, give our thoughts about it. And, you know, and we'll just have a little discussion about these films and whatnot. We'll just keep it loosey-goosey. We'll just keep it nice and loose. Juicy-goosey. Loosey-juicy-goosey-moosey. Yes, I like it, Lucy. In... Lucy Goosey in the caboosey. Juicy loose. <laughs> Just Goosey like mom Goosey. always said back in back in Jacksonville. Back yes, in yes. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> we will start with Tim's choice because it's the oldest. Back in my day, in the old days of 1954. I love the young people. How many times do I have to <laughs> teach you this lesson, old man? You're not my love. Uh, so I, I saw this little movie. Um, it's this little film. Uh, it's really small. Uh, it's called White Christmas. Oh, uh, and we got the race into this. Yes, I mean, I oh, come on, guys. I know it's fucking. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's the 50s. The fucking uh, 50s. God, right? the fucking 50s. So, you know, I've heard about this movie for forever. Yeah. Uh, and part of why I wanted to watch it was because I'm going to be going to see a stage production of it next week uh, at the time of recording. Not the time of you listening, obviously, unless we're somehow recording this the same day you're hearing it, which is probably something we'll do in season five. OK, but like we're not there yet. Right? <laughs> Actually, the so, episode is premiering the day after we record this, the day. So after it's pretty you- close. <laughs> <laughs> so 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 we're getting there all right yes, yes. So maybe season four <laughs> uh but anyway so gonna see it in a week and uh and so i i've heard about this movie forever it's just one of those christmas classics and i i said well i said self if i'm gonna watch this thing <laughs> on on a play on a theater done in a production with people i should probably watch the movie that's based off of yes and uh yeah so you know it's got bing crosby danny k rosemary clooney uh george clooney's aunt right uh and vera ellen uh <laughs> So, you know, Bing Crosby, I only ever knew as like the voice of Christmas. Like, you know, he's just like the Christmas crooner kind of just guy. I never knew what he was like. I don't even know if that's Bing Crosby. I just know it's a guy with a low singing voice. Oh, yeah, it is that. Yeah. Of a white Christmas. That's it. There you go. Sing it, Bing. Whoa, you put too much stank on it for Bing. Oh, my God. Bing doesn't have so much stank. Bing got stanky in his old age. It's truly one of the weirdest nicknames. (laughs) His name is actually Harry Lillis Crosby Jr. You could just call call me Bing. Everyone does. They called him Bing. Uh, for reasons I don't care. To I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but yeah. So I mean, the movie is really truly weird to me because it's a Christmas movie because we're told it's a Christmas movie, and because it's called White Christmas, and it starts with the song White Christmas and it ends with the song White Christmas, and that's enough, I guess, for people to to think of it as like this Christmas 
all time great. Um, now, let me just say, I enjoyed this movie. I, I liked it. I thought it was fun. I thought it was funny. I thought it had great dialogue. There was some good, you know, practical humor between Bing Crosby and Danny Kaye and just good writing. And um, Rosemary Clooney and Barry Allen were both, you know, very good in their roles opposite them. Uh, they, you know, were both just spectacular singers and dancers and performers and everything. So lots of talent in this movie. But Honestly, I feel like the whole movie was sort of just a showcase for the talent that they had. And there was a bunch of just musical numbers and songs and different things that are going on that have not fuck all to do with Christmas (laughs) at all. Not even remotely. I mean, it's just it happens to be around Christmas time. But Bing Crosby and Danny Kaye are these two performers. They, 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 the movie starts out there, the, the soldiers and, you know, the the war is is coming to a close. And they in in the, the years past when they're out of the service, uh, you know, there was an event where Danny Kaye saved Bing Crosby's life. He, he pulled him out from under this wall that was falling over. And now it's like he's his fucking indentured servant. And so now it's like, OK, well, hey, you know, I, I, I saved your life that one time. And he like holds his arm and he's like, ah, oh, geez. And so he strong arms Bing to uh, to basically be a part of this like worldwide song and dance show that he's just always wanted to do. <laughs> and so they just do that this seems like a lot. And- That's oh, a lot. It's, it's super a lot. It's a super lot. It's like he basically claims ownership for Bing's like next fucking 10 years of life. And I'm like, dude, what the fuck? Let this guy just do his shit. Like, go let, let him live his life. Um, and so, you know, they, they have the show and, and there's supposed to be this lead act or whatever. Um, but, you know, the, the two act actresses or whatever who were supposed to be in it didn't show up. And one of the guys they used to be in the army with had two sisters that are both a traveling performing sister act. And uh, it's like this just whirlwind of coincidence where like they they meet up with these two women as they're, you know, performing as one of the, the acts during their their song and dance show. And it's kind of like, oh, OK. Danny Kay feels like Bing Crosby is a miserable piece of shit because he doesn't have a girlfriend. And he's like telling Bing, he's like, he's like, you know, you've gotten so into this whole show and the song and dance and all this stuff, even though he was the one who fucking pulled him into it. Right. And 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 he's like, you know, what I need you to do is I need you to meet a woman and I need you to have nine kids. And if you spend five minutes with each of those kids a day, that'll give me 45 minutes to myself where I can go across the street and get a massage. And I'm like, <laughs> you fucking asshole. <laughs> like he's he's devoted so much of his goddamn time <laughs> to your stupid song and dance routine. And and you have the nerve to tell him that his life's a, pi- a pile of shit because he's single. <laughs> And, oh and so I'm God. like, he's single because you roped him in like you, you basically just put a put a handcuff on him. So anyway, whatever. I, I say this with with impassioned aggression, but it, it, it is portrayed in a way that is very funny. And it, it's just it is it's fun to, to see them interact. But yeah, so it just goes on this whole adventure of like them meeting the women and the women, you know, kind of what, what uh, Rosemary Clooney kind of, you know, shows a little bit of chemistry with Bing, but ends up not really like it doesn't tr- like truly blossom right away. And so Danny Kay and Vera Ellen are like, they're, they're kind of like a will they won't they, uh, but they're mostly just like in cahoots to try and hook these two up. And so then they like, they find out that the two of the girls are like, 
the cops are after them for some like minor felony. And so they like get them train tickets and all four of them just go up to like Vermont to go see the snow uh, because okay. that's what Vermont's known for. And they get up there and there's no snow and they're like, Hey, where's the snow? You know, that's your biggest export, blah, blah, blah. And they don't, they, they, they don't, you know, they don't see nothing up there. They, they go up there. They're like, well, there's, there's an inn up here that they were supposed to perform at. And it turns out that, oh, their old drill, drill sergeant is the guy who owns the inn now. Like a total coincidence, like a complete coinky dink. It's like they get there and they're like, oh, 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 wow. Oh, gee, can you believe it? And it's just so crazy. I'm like, what the fuck? That's like so contrived and random. And so then they go through this whole thing. And, and then the rest of the movie kind of meanders around between the romancy aspect, the song and dance numbers and this subplot that comes in of the the drill sergeant major general guy feels like he has no uh you know no place in life anymore and he doesn't like retired life out of the service so he wants to get back into the service but they won't let him back in he's too old and so they cook up this big plan to like go on the uh the friggin ed sullivan show and get a big you know ad out there for any people who were in their you know platoon unit whatever to to come up to this this inn in the middle of nowhere vermont and and surprise the major general with this big grand gesture and so like halfway through the movie i'm like is it is it christmas time is it near are we around? is this a christmas movie though is this a christmas movie? christmas is in the name this is like we... a diehard scenario right. <laughs> where the fuck is this movie going and i mean at no point am i not enjoying myself like it, it is a fun movie and there's just so much going on and it really is like an incredible snapshot of 1954 like you know the the kind of song and dance numbers that were going on it's like what do you even call them they're not they're not a band they don't have albums they put out. They're just like performances. And, and I feel like it's such a lost know. art form because they're doing songs. And yeah, they're song, singing. They're dancing yeah, song, and, they're like song and dance men, right? Like song and dance. That, that was right. like but, Fred Astaire. But, uh, yeah, but I also feel like those kind of things weren't necessarily like captured in any kind of way on like film or, vi- or, or audio recordings. So I'm like, it's really neat to think of a time when you would just go to a theater to see that type of performers perform with not being like oh i'm a big fan of their songs it's like no you just kind of were there to see what they were doing yeah um see this show it's it's neat um but yeah so i mean the movie kind of ends and it's this big grand christmas gesture for the major general and then they they finish it off by playing white christmas again you know just like a a fucking simple minds concert where they can't not play don't you forget about me twice because that's why you're there Right. Like, I mean, technically goes to see simple minds without wanting to see. Don't you forget about me? I mean, my boss went to see Europe in the I think it was in the 80s, but it might have been in the 90s. And he said they opened and closed with the final (laughs) countdown. Of course they fucking did. (laughs) Nobody's not there to hear the final countdown twice, at least once. So, yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of what it felt like is they just had to throw white Christmas back at it at the end and have this big, ridiculous number where everyone's in a Santa outfit in a Santa costume and, and Mrs. Claus. And you're like, oh, it's a Christmas yada. movie. Right. And, and, then, and then it's like the, it the, the rose tinted, glossy film left over on your eyes. is just like a yeah, 
that was a Christmas movie. And it's like, <laughs> no, it fucking wasn't. Nothing about that movie was a Christmas movie. It Iron Man 3 is more t- of a Christmas movie. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> right. I'm like, it just, it happened to take place around Christmas. It did have a, a gesture that was attributed along with Christmas. But my God. I kiss, mean, kiss, most bang, of, bang is more of a Christmas. Is more of a movie. Christmas movie. I mean, Lethal it was, Weapon it was, One is more of a Christmas movie. It's a two-hour movie, <laughs> and there's maybe ten minutes of Christmas relevance. So I feel like, I, I feel like that is really just the mind blower for me. Yeah. Um. But funny. I still think it's worth watching, and I think it is a very interesting piece of like I don't know Americana kind of. It's like mm. this. It is a very well-known musical film, and uh, I think it's it is you know, interesting. And I think it does, it does do some stuff. Well, it randomly comes out of nowhere at the end with like this alien invasion propaganda shit where it's like, it's, it's great. It's great to be in the army. And it's just this whole like, yay, join the army song. And I'm like, what, where the fuck is did this come from like the the intro scene of the movie is incredibly depressing it's like all the soldiers sitting there being sad, listening to Bing Crosby sing white Christmas while they're deployed and can't see their families and are miserable. And, and yet the end of the movie is like, forget all that shit. Whoopee army time. And, Mm. and it's like (laughs) women should join the army because they get their pick of the men. You, you can, you can choose any kind of mans that you want. They, they, all the mans are here. What kind of mans do you have to choose what from? Of, what kind of mans? You got the fat mans. You got the skinny mans, the tall mans, the short mans. You got the you got the athletic. You got the nerdy mans, the smart mans, the, the you know, it's like every that's, kind of mans. It's like and, all the mans, the mans, mans, at the mans, least mans. all of them. And and that's their whole <laughs> angle. It's like, yeah, no, God forbid. You got the you beast wanna, mans, like, the moss mans, the. You know, as a woman, guys. there's no way that you would want to be like a radar technician or like maybe fly a plane. Probably but some other. You can definitely, He-Man's you can definitely pick a pick a man. Oh, he man, um, he man is a man. Yeah, that's he right. He man's a man. Yeah, that's right. Also, man witch. The orco man's. Orcoman. I don't know. <laughs> also, it was interestingly, uh, it was filmed. Uh, it was the first film released in Vista Vision, which is a widescreen process developed by Paramount, which used twice the surface area of a standard 35 millimeter film. Uh, it was it said the large area negative was also used to yield finer grained standard sized 35 millimeter prints. Uh, and the, the, the posters has like a big Vista Vision, like, whoosh, like slapped right on the front of it. So they want you to know for sure it's Vista Vision. It's that uh, kind yeah. of stuff that the uh, Lost Skeleton was parroting on the on the poster and in the opening credits where it says Skelarama. Yeah, it's yeah. filmed in Skelarama. There, so many uh, movies would come out with like little gimmicks like that. They would do one little thing different in the filming process, and they'd be like, "Oh, the new miracle of the screen," and you're like, "Oh, it's Retson. Oh, Retson. I love Retson. What is that?" So I think, uh, you know, I think that's kind of my stance on the movie. Um, I, I, I think it's worth watching. I just feel like you don't have to watch it around Christmas. It, it really doesn't lean heavy into that at all. Hmm. Uh, but Danny Kaye's right. awesome. Bing Crosby was, was good, but, you know, not as fun or charismatic. No, Danny um, Kaye is the shit. Yeah, he's awesome. And, and I mean, the, the songs in the, in the dance performance numbers were good. Some of them went on a little bit too long, mm-hmm. um, but I, I, I did really enjoy it, but mm-hmm. I, I just feel like it's very, it's very interesting. You're like, put it under a microscope and you start to like scratch your head. You're like, huh? What? That is, that is but, funny. Yeah. yeah. But anyway. Yeah. Nice. 
Yeah. Very, very cool. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, Parasite Steve, what's your pick? Yeah, my pick. Okay. We're going to go from 1954, zoom, whoosh, into the... We're flying. 1962, man. We're going to go into the 60s, man. And we're going <laughs> to talk about a little movie called The Birds, man. The Burbs? Uh, it's, no, The Birds, man. This oh, is the this birds, is like two man. decades before that Tom Hanks flick, man. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a movie I have always kind of meant to see, which is the whole point of this whole idea. It's what uh, we're doing. You know, and it's, you know, it's a Hitchcock movie. I obviously know that. I didn't really know anything else about it. I didn't even know who was in it. I just had no idea. I just know that my mom, when I was little, told me that this was the scariest movie that she had ever seen as a little girl. She was so scared of this movie. Now, she was she was little. She was born in 58. Right. So she was six. So like, OK, she was a little kid. But like, I don't know. I no, she was four. I can't do math. She's 58. No, math 60, is hard. 60. Much like reading. I was thinking it was 54. I was, th- I was thinking the four. This is how my brain handles I think, numbers. I, th- I think she was the born four, in the 40s. The f- the... She's, she's in the 70s, right? Oh, no, you're right. She's it's No, no, you're right. It's So it's, so she was born in 48. 48. Not, I was going to say, I'm like, yeah. I wasn't going to correct her math, but no, no, I feel like there was 48. other math. Yeah, so that, 48, yeah. Okay, so, so then do the math for me. So she was 14? What 14. year did this come out? 62. 62. 14, yeah, right? 14, 14. Yeah. So, okay. A little older than I would have thought like six makes a little bit more sense, but oh, well, so I think it's, a, I don't know, but I guess it was just shocking. They had certainly never seen anything like this. And, and it's a, it's remembered as a scary, disturbing movie. It's like an, it's, it's more of a natural disaster movie than a horror movie. Right. Cause there's no like villain mm-hmm. or anything like that. It's just the birds. So it's like, Oh, they could be a tornado. They could be, you know, a flood, whatever. They're just a force of nature. So it really is like a disaster movie, technically, but it's creepy for sure. And, you know, they build towards the inevitable climax of the birds going total fucking full ape shit. Because for a little while, they're just kind of being creepy. And you're like watching them gather. And it's like, hmm, maybe there's too many pigeons. I don't know. Maybe is that a normal <laughs> amount of crows? Is this know. an unusual amount? Is this, is this reaching critical mass? Yeah. I don't know how many, <laughs> like, I don't know. How, how many squirrels denotes a herd? How, wh- how many squirrels is too many squirrels? I, I, I'm when you sure. can't count them. But uh, I mean, you know, because sometimes birds are, you know, in huge flocks like starlings. Like, you know, you see pigeons in the city, like you see birds in mass numbers. So it's not that weird so you kind of accept it at first the main birds that are the antagonists are they they switch between seagulls and crows those are really the birds in the birds it's not like every bird because you know let's let's be real there was no cg they were physically filming things if it's a puppet or if it's real birds that's it so there weren't like you know every bird under the sun they they just said all right let's let's do the two um, and those are both big birds. They can actually do damage, right? Like a seagull. Think of a se- how big a seagull really is. And crows are very large. So, you know, they mm-hmm. both they both have hooked like little tips at the end of their beaks. Right. They can definitely yeah. do some damage. They so, can jack you up. Yeah. So, I mean, it slowly builds and, and it's it's an effective climax for sure. All the disaster stuff is 
really well done. Some of it's so well done that you're not quite sure how the hell they did it. Uh, there's a lot of composite shots for sure. And other shots are like, if you watch it, if you go back to the videotape and like rewind and you like really look, you're like, uh, oh, no, that's a puppet. But they do a good job. And some of them like the like the flybys, like there's a famous flyby where the main girl who's uh, Melanie, who's played by Tippi Hedren, she gets hit in the head by a seagull. And it's like a super hilarious gif that like if you look up the birds on Facebook Messenger or on Facebook <laughs> or whatever, just look up the birds, you'll you'll see the one of her like getting dive bombed. And if you watch it enough times, you realize that it just watch the seagull. It doesn't actually hit her. It just, she reacts as if it does, and you you a hundred percent buy it. But really, the trajectory of the bird doesn't change. So it's just a puppet, like going on like a, a string or something, and it was either composited or she just reacted to it really well, and it, it's very effective. But it's funny when you watch it again and you watch the bird. It's like, oh, okay, that's how they did that. That's that's, that's funny. But it's still it's still interesting and it works. Right. And when, you, shots, when you can't mm-hmm. watch it over and over and over again, right. you know, it, it's right. very convincing. And and honestly, a lot of the shots like that are very fast. They're very just rapid. So. Um, the movie, though, um, other than that, is a bit weird. Um, I I don't really want to exhaustively like describe the whole movie, but I will say that okay, there's a movie going on, and then it happens, right? Like any disaster movie, you're they're introducing you to the characters, and right. they have plans yep. and like things going on, and then disaster strikes, boom, and then you're dealing with that, um, right? Okay, well, this is this has to be the weirdest fucking idea for what was going on other than that, because clearly the point that Hitchcock had was the the birds. Okay, we're going to do the birds. Oh, okay. well, it can't just be that. So what else is there? So the what else is there? It's like the thought that he came up with this. So Tippi Hedren's character. So she is basically, I guess, just some rich lady who has nothing to do at all. And she, she just is the world's most confusing troll. Okay. Like hey, her whole freaking character like lives under a bridge. No, like-, like, no, that would make sense. This is like confusing. Like the fact that she puts as much time into doing the things that she does in the movie, just to like, fuck with somebody but like not in a way that's like harmful and not in a way that's like friendly but in a way that's like partially harmful partially confusing partially creepy like and it's like what are you getting out of this lady like you went so far out of your way okay so so basically you have her and you have the the male lead is played by rod taylor rod taylor is super cool he is uh he was in the time machine he has a great twilight zone He was in a bunch of movies and he's an australian actor who like was very convincing in any accent that he ever played. He was very convincing in American mo- when he's in. Do you in remember American what his Twilight role. Zone was? I don't know if I've seen it. I don't remember uh, what the name of it is, but it's when he he's an astronaut and he comes back and uh, they're like, oh, they're like, oh, you've been out for a few days, and he's like, oh, uh, cool. How how are my uh, how are my three uh, yes. co-pilots? And they're like, yes. oh, there was only two co-pilots he's like no there's four of us that went up and they're like no only three of you went up and he's like what are you talking about what about tim and they're like no t- there is no tim and he's like what what are you talking about and he spends a whole day trying to find out proof of tim and try to talk to somebody they're like no no tim was a guy and everybody's like no and then he passes out the next day and he wakes up and they're like okay well well what about the the, the two guys that are left and and they're like no it's just you and one other, one other guy and he's like what about joe 
what the hell? Joe, it was Joe and there was Tim. They're like, no, it's just you and one other guy. And and then yep. the next day it's just him. And then the next day there, there was there's no, nobody, nobody ever went. So they're yeah. just being erased from existence inexplicably. It's a great yep, episode. I remember very, that one. Very creepy. Um, so anyway, Rod Taylor is really great. And he's he's certainly good in this. But, you know, nobody has a ton to work with, really, until like the shit hits the fan. But so basically the first scene is like in a pet store. Right. And Rod Taylor goes in and he is actually trolling her at that point. And he recognizes her because she's kind of a dipshit who like does shit. She's like a shitty troll person and she's been fucking to court for it. And and there was like, yeah. So so at first you're like, oh, maybe he's like like, a, a, you know, because he's a lawyer. And so it's like, oh, maybe he's like trying to get evidence on her. He's, you're not really sure what their their deal is, but he goes into this pet store to get two lovebirds for his little sister. Okay. And so they have this weird fake interaction where he pretends where she pretends to be like a, an employee of the pet store because the, the real employee of the pet store is checking on something for her in the back room. So she just sees Rod Taylor come in and apparently finds him attractive and says, I'm just going to fuck with this guy because that's literally all she does. But well, he secretly knew who she was and he is trolling her and letting her think that he doesn't know that she's not an employee. So she thinks that he believes her and he knows that she's not and is just fucking with her back. It's all about trolling. The whole movie is trolling, except for the birds. That's so, so, so weird. <laughs> so then they end that scene. They know who they are. And she's like annoyed that he didn't fall for her ruse and and he's just 100 percent like on top of things and smiling and 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 uh they didn't have lovebirds or whatever so she takes it upon herself to being a super creepy lady she knows somebody who like like can run a plate and she like ran and she she wrote down his plate number tracks him down finds out where he lives and then decides, okay, so it's like, well, what is she going to do? What would a creepy stalker type person do in this situation? Is she going to like, I don't know, like, like leave a dead horse's head in his bed or like, what, what, what is, what is she yeah. going to do? And, and it's like, oh, well, what she's going to do is drive like three out of three hours out of her way to where he lives in this like quaint little fishing village and uh, bring him lovebirds that she ordered and then not like show up in a grand gesture sort of a way. She decides that she is going to break into his house and leave the lovebirds there as a random present, apparently, so that when he gets home, he will somehow know that it was her, even though it's impossible. And so she decides that using the road to the house is too obvious and that she will be seen coming so they live on the water and he's on like the other side of the water so she's like oh i'm gonna hire me a boat and have the guy and and like so she paddles across the channel to the guy's house breaks into his house leaves the lovebirds then beats feet because he's coming back gets back in the boat she rows halfway back across the freaking channel and just waits and watches with freaking bated breath and binoculars and it what is just waiting for him to react 
And so he goes in the house and then he comes out and he's like, he's like, what the hell? What the hell? What the hell? What the hell? And, and she's like loving it. She is eating this up. This is her only reason for existence is to be a <laughs> shitty, weird troll. That's it. It's so confusing. It's like, there's so much work you just put into this lady. So much work. It's just so bizarre. And this is your payoff. This is all of it. But of course, like, I guess it's also that she likes him. But again, as we learned when we were on the play yard, when we're, you know, small children, sometimes when somebody likes you, they, they don't show it in the best way. But usually it's just like they pull your hair or like, you know, knock your pudding on the ground or something. This is like this is so extra. I can't eat. I can't even get behind. Yeah, I, that, I that that is quite uh, a monumental a, task for her to have gone through. It's like a journey and a half. Like she just, she went to Mordor. She, she didn't really care about throwing the ring in Mount Doom. She was just like, wanted to shove it in Frodo's face or something. I'm like, it's so weird. Like, it's just so weird. So anyway, it goes on from there and it, it's, it doesn't ever make more sense. They get shehorned into like having interactions and stuff. I will say that the cast is uh, is pretty good. Tippi Hedren is kind of uh, she's kind of a non-reactionary character the entire time. She's very monotone. I guess it's kind of like a style that they re- that like Hitchcock really went for at the time. But, um, you know, uh, aside from her and Rod Taylor, there's also uh, the youngest Jessica Tandy I have ever seen uh, from like cocoon and batteries not included and stuff. Okay. Um, she was like a very old lady in the eighties and then she passed away. Uh, but she, she plays Rod Taylor's mom and it was insane. Like she was so young in this that I did not recognize her. And I am really good at recognizing people. And I, I like, I'm like, she looks familiar. Who is this lady? And I looked it up. I could not freaking believe it was Jessica Tandy. So I had never seen her that young. There's also a very young Veronica Cartwright. Veronica Cartwright is um, known to me because I just love the movie Alien so much. She plays um, Lambert in Alien. And in okay. that movie, she's very, very on the, at the edge of a rope the entire movie. She's, she's very frantic, very hysterical the whole time. In this, she plays like a very low voiced, very calm, very collected um, she's beautiful in this movie. I, I didn't recognize her at all either. She, she has very different hair. Uh, she's got dark hair in this movie. I, I couldn't, I also couldn't believe it was her. Um, huh. There's also just a, a, just a huge cast of really believable townies, you know, just a lot of good character actors just doing their thing. And then, you know, the shit hits the fan, there's birds and there, everybody's getting uh, dive bombed and it's, uh, it's uh, crazy and it gets worse and worse and worse. The only other scene I have to mention, because it is, the it, again, it's so fucking confusing, so weird. So it's literally right. It's not the, so some bird stuff has happened, but it's just been like the off bird thing has happened. Like she got dive bombed like once or twice by one seagull or something. And, and, you know, like just, there's just a bunch of crows over there and, you know, the, just weird stuff going on, but like the audience is knowing it. And noticing it, but like she's not really thinking anything crazy is going on. It's just like, oh, this weird thing happened, sort of thing. But anyway, so she decides that she's going to go see Veronica Cartwright's character, and she is at she's a teacher, 
she, they've only just met They're, They have almost no, no reason for her to go see her at the school. It's just bizarre, but she goes and then she goes and she does the like, hi at, at her classroom. And the teacher's like, Oh, hi, you know, we're, we're in class asshole. Like what, what are you, what are you doing here? And she's like, okay, I'll wait outside. And so she goes out. So, so tippy header and goes back outside and she's like, all right, I'm going to have a cigarette. So she's like, all right, she, she sparks it up. And there's like a bunch of fucking crows, but the scene lasts like fucking 10 real minutes and we have to listen to this song that the kids are singing inside and it is the weirdest motherfucking song you've ever heard in your life it is super fucking repetitive and it has all these parts and um it's just like is this ever gonna end the fuck (laughs) um it, like so, I'm I'm gonna look it up. I I uh, was gonna have the name for it. So it's the um, it's called Rizzled. It's called Rizzledy Rosaldy, and it is. Oh yeah, I know that song. So it's a jam. It is. It is not a jam. It is. It is really really weird, and uh, it is. It's like a Scottish. It was originally called We Cooper O Fife. And it was a Scottish folk song. And there's like really like off, like off color, freaking like lyrics in there. And it talks about like a lady being a slut and stuff. And uh, uh, I, I, really weird. And so I don't know if they cut the, you can't really understand all the words that they're singing in the movie, but um, oh my God, I just, I just cannot imagine why this, why this freaking song is in this movie. It is so long. And like the entire time the crows are gathering outside. So it's like, okay, but you didn't need that to happen while you didn't need the song. The song means nothing. And then, and then when they finally get out of the, the, the school, the birds just decide to like, just go nuts and start attacking everybody. It's as if they're mad that the song has stopped. I don't know. It's really, (laughs) really weird. So you know, knows Rizzledy Rizzledy appeases the birds. Appeases yes. the birds. So, so just saying, um, there is never an explanation as to why the birds attacked. Um, that's that's left open. Um, it okay. also has a very a very like creepy final shot um, of all the birds just everywhere. There's just so freaking many, and he. Uh, Hitchcock did not do like a VN sort of thing. It goes straight from the last shot to black and it is very unsettling. Um, and he did that very much on purpose. Um, and it really is effective. It's a very give you that unresolved you feeling with a very weird feeling um, for the, from that final shot. But I yep. mean, I don't know. It's uh did I like it? Um, I, it, it was okay. I mean, I think it had good parts. Are you glad you watched it? Am I glad I watched it? Sure. Yeah. It wasn't okay. terrible, but like it yeah. was, uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say that I, I think it's great at all, but I do think that there are great things in there and impressive things in there. I really, you know what I could have used? I could have used a boss. I could have used a boss fight. I think there should have been like a fucking pelican or something. Like a big fucking bird. Like <laughs> yeah, a something fucking big boss at the end, bird. Like, yeah, like a big fucking pelican would have been nice. You know, like if they turn around and then it's like, oh, my God, look at the size of that thing. It's like a Buick. It's like a Volkswagen bug. That thing is like <laughs> so big. Um, yeah, that would have been cool. But there's there's just more seagulls and more crows. But um, hey, you know, it is what it is. That was my first time seeing the birds. I've been meaning to see it forever. And uh, I did. 
Nice. Awesome, yeah. dude. Very nice. Very nice. I'm curious about that one too. Want to see that one for a long time. I'll I'll check it out. I have to to hear this Rizzle Rosley for myself. Oh yeah. Nice. Oh yeah. Nice. I don't think I've ever watched an Alfred Hitchcock movie. You know, I like some of them for sure. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I I I, I, I I mean, Psycho is Psycho is great. It's for sure. Yeah, that's like the most popular. Yeah, one. that's, that's his. Yeah. yeah, that's the yeah. one he's known for. Yeah, the more, most but... known. I you know I all this was the second Hitchcock movie I watched for this episode. I also watched North by Northwest hoping that that one was going to be really good. And I was going to do it on that. And I ended up not really loving that one too much. So I tried to watch the birds, hoping that I would like it more. And I did like it more, but I think that um, it's more fun to talk about too. Um, There's so many weird things in the birds. Like I just went through, but uh, North by Northwest was just, uh, I don't know. It was just all right. So I don't know. I'm, I'm sort of like more into the, TV show like his uh, Alfred Hitchcock presents I think is a lot oh, of fun yeah. to watch a lot yeah. of fun and it's it's like the Twilight Zone in a sense but it's more just like some of it's it's never horror it's like suspense or it's just not it's a lot of it's just drama but yeah. honestly the best part of that show by far is his introductions any like every every episode you know Hitchcock himself did the intros as, as you know everybody can picture him like walking into his silhouette his drawing of his profile and and he comes out and he's like, good evening, you know, like, and he's so great. He's so funny. It's all yeah. gold. I love, like, I could just watch a string of the intros and outros and skip the episodes. And that would also be entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. So I guess we'll save the best for last. Or- I guess we did. I guess, I guess we, we will. Uh, what, maybe. What you got? What you got, Nintendo? All right. So uh, we're going to jump like 37 years into the future here. Whoa. Whoa, dude. Like Whoa. all the way to like 1999. Wow. And, That's like, like radical. Is, right. Like for sure, dude. So my pick is the Iron Giant. Whoa. Yes, I like this movie. A lot of people love this movie. Yeah, I mean, I liked it. I mean, I didn't, I didn't love it. I think if if I was of age, like if I was like younger, like way mm-hmm. younger at the time, I probably would have loved it. Mm-hmm. But as right. an adult, I mean, I think it's it's cool. I think it's a cool movie, mm-hmm. and I think you no know, people should definitely definitely check it out. Mm-hmm. And uh, this this one stars uh, Vin Diesel, which has his second best acting uh best acting role since uh guardians of the galaxy i wouldn't call him diesel i mean he's more like vin decent (laughs) (laughs) that's true that's true that's your opinion (laughs) yes yes so uh this movie the iron giant uh basically it it takes place in the 1950s uh i think it's uh october October of 1957 to be exact. And this is during the, the Cold War. And uh, so this this object from space is like this fucking crashes down into like like an ocean just like like off the coast of Maine. Um, and uh, he kind of like almost kills someone in the process. And uh, oops. like, oops, sorry, human. <laughs> so he like saves him. 
saves this this fisherman and puts him like like on on onto land near, near some near this lighthouse or whatever. So we really don't know at this point. We don't know why this robot is here on Earth. Like we don't know <laughs> is like, where it came from. Like is it, is it anything? Is it anything? Like is it like is it a good guy? Is it a bad guy? We just don't know. Um. What's funny is that this robot doesn't have a name. He's just, just called the uh, robot throughout the whole movie. Um, so anyways, the, the, the next day, uh, the, the, the main character, uh, Hogarth, which is a dumb name, um, <laughs> he, he hears something going on outside of his house. So he go, goes out and like checks it out, whatever, and... Uh, for whatever reason, there is this freaking electrical substation in his backyard. And uh, this is where he sees the, the giant robot for the first time. He's like, what the fuck, yo? <laughs> like his exact words. I like, shit you not. And yeah. um, well, well, he didn't say it. I mean, he, I mean, he was, you thinking. could tell, you could tell, you can tell he was, thinking. Tell he was thinking about saying it. I mean, yeah. you know, nine years old. Yeah. He's thinking it. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so he sees this robot. He's like, he's, eating parts of the substation and he's like what the fuck's going on Th- then he reaches over to the uh the, the electrical part of it and then gets like electrocuted and like it almost kills him the the, the robot almost get, almost gets killed and uh so the kid uh decides to like run away and then then he has like a like a change of heart and he's like oh i should probably save him because it looks like it's it's going to kill him. I'll save him or whatever. So he goes over and he finds this on and off switch and just, he's having, having a whole time, hard time, like pulling down this lever and he finally does it. And, uh, the, the robot just kind of like, just, just like collapses. He's like, he's like fucking done. He's like, he's, he's fried. So the kids, you know, curiously goes up to him. He's climbing up this tree or whatever. And he goes on top of the robot's head and the, the robot's mouth is open. So he's like, he, he takes, he, he he grabs something. I think it's a rock or something. And he just like drops it in his mouth, and he's like, he's really fucking amused by this. <laughs> and uh, I mean, rocks are hilarious. Rocks are hilarious, like just like salads. Yes, salads are rocks punk, right? So funny. So so the robot like like slowly slowly wakes up, and the kid like fucking freaks the fuck out, and like he's fucking bolting back to his house, and the robot is just following him. He's like, holy shit, this robot's gonna fucking kill me. And uh, it, it turns out that the, the robot actually likes the boy. He likes this, likes this kid. He likes Hogarth. And he's like, this kid saved my life. I'll protect him or whatever, which is really cool. The, the, the robot doesn't speak at all at first. And then this kid, like, eventually he teaches him how to, how to speak, like certain words or whatever, which is where, you know, Vin Diesel comes into play and you knows his amazing acting, I have to say. Um, not really. Um, he hasn't watched Borat, so the Iron Giant's like, My wife, my wife. wife. (laughs) Uh So, um, yeah, so the the kid's like, No, he's bonding with the robot, and he's realizing the robot's not gonna hurt anyone, he's he's a good guy, whatever. He's he's uh, he's teaching him like like all these superheroes from these comics that he reads, which I think is kind of cool. They mentioned Mm -hmm. Superman, and the robot wants to be Superman, like, fucking hardcore, and uh. I don't know. It's just it's it's a fun movie. It's a it is a fun movie. Um, I think I w- if I was younger, I would have loved it. Um, I don't want to give too much away because the the ending is 
kind of sad i want to say it's kind of yeah. sad um yeah so the iron the iron giant yeah right there yeah now, so who was who the studio who did that was that like dreamworks or something uh no let me let me see i'm actually looking up right now uh like, i can never remember uh oh my god what the fuck where is it i'm like looking for it on uh wikipedia uh warner brothers oh okay yeah and uh uh this movie didn't do very well apparently when it first came out uh they have they have since re-released this movie with added uh material and it's become like a cult classic so that's cool yeah very cool jennifer aniston's in this movie harry uh connick jr uh james gammon cloris leachman christopher mcdonald John McConey, uh, Emmett Walsh. Yeah. So it's, a, it's a decent cast. I feel. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 studded. I like this yeah. movie, but I don't love this movie. Basically, exactly like you said. Um, I also did not see it as a kid. Um, but right. yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it when I watched it. This this is a great one that you picked. I mean, it's really cool that uh, yeah. you picked an animated one, too, because I don't think Anime, anybody yeah. else has picked an animated one, even of the voicemails um so that's that's pretty cool nice pick yeah and and i i i like the um the art direction they went with this movie right it's got that like steampunky like everything's very old and it's 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 like got the rivets of steampunk anyway it's not victorian looking but it's it's got that old 50s yeah industrial age for sure i mean i think that the the robot looks i mean he looks okay I mean, it doesn't look terrible. I mean, it's pretty much what I would expect from the fifties. Yeah, or like maybe right. it's like, maybe it's more like the forties, like the like the same thing, like with the uh, like the Rocketeer. Like this feel, this has yeah. that feeling of like the old forties, like pulp serials. Yeah, I think is probably what they were kind of going for. Um, right, but right. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. Very cool. I yeah, I, I, cool I would suggest people you know have the kids watch it. Yeah. I because I, I think it, it does hold up pretty well. Hmm. And, yeah, and I mean, you know, it's it's fandom is is proven in Ready Player One because the Iron Giant is featured pretty freaking prominently in that movie as one yeah. of the, the main references that they really spotlight, not just like a blink and you miss it. You can't miss the Iron Giant. Yeah, right. right. So pretty cool. Right. Very cool indeed. So those were our picks. I didn't want to talk about the, my movie for too long because I know we're kind of like pressed for time here. Um, so we will go into uh, the voicemails that our retroids have sent us. And uh, we had one that uh, one guy who uh, emailed us like we had two, e- two emails, text, two, two emails. Yeah. One is going, going to be read by our very own Dr. Matteo. Mm-hmm. Um, and another one from uh, the old man Wade show, uh, Mr. Mark Lynch. So, yes. So I will read. I'll read Mark's email, and then we will just play all of the voicemails. Uh, and then we'll just we'll end. Do you want to end with um the the Maddie reading or yeah yeah we can yeah, okay we can do that that's, that's okay. fine. That's fine. Alrighty. All right. So here we go from Mark Lynch. He says, 
some stories about the history of America fabricate what really happened when this country, America, was founded. For example, Christopher Columbus is a piece of shit. Yes, he is. And Abraham Lincoln was actually fine with slavery as long as America stayed united. Hmm, that I didn't know. And uh, he has in quotes, if I could save the union without freeing it, freeing any slaves, I would do it. And if I could save it by freeing all the slaves, I would do it. If I, and if I could save it by freeing some, the leaving some and leaving others alone, I would also do that quoted by Lincoln. Then there's America, the motion picture, the most American movie I've ever seen in my life. And let me tell you, it's everything you'd want from a parody of this country. And he sent us a trailer, which I haven't checked out yet. Uh, so we have first George Washington, vo- voiced by Channing Tan- Tanum, Tatum. and Abe T- Tantum. T- T- Channing Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum. Okay, I can't. I can barely read it. Anyways, uh, and Abe Lincoln, uh, voiced by Will, no, played by Will Forte, were the. <laughs> epitome of bros i i guess okay uh besides the fact that they didn't live at the same time they were hanging out at a movie theater you can see where where this is going abe is killed by benedict arnold who's actually a werewolf that isn't where (laughs) what that that isn't where the hyperbole ends sam adams jason mantuskas playing his normal character yeah man <laughs> uh, <Man> <laughs> he does that one thing. Uh, runs a frat house and invested beer. Thomas Edison is a woman, Olivia Munn. Paul Revere, uh, who was played by Bobby Moynihan. Am I saying that correctly? Yeah, Moynihan. I think so. Moynihan. Okay. Uh, is a street racer and so much more. This is easily the most underrated Netflix movie of the year. It's everything you'd want from an overly exaggerated cartoon about American history. The comedy isn't all dick jokes, high and drunk humor, and placing people in the wrong time of history. There are also a bunch of random nods to history. There's a bar called Vietnam where the characters say it may take years to get out of. It was shocking (laughs) when I saw how clever the humor, humor was. America, the motion picture, has an amazing voice acting cast. This made it this made it fun. I think he meant fun. This made it fun. It's also very stunning. So so get high, grab a drink, or just suspend disbelief. This is a movie you'll laugh at from start to finish, especially if you know how this country was founded. Honest rating, 6.5 out of 10. Fun rating, 10 out of 10. Wow. Hmm. All right. Well, I had never even heard right. of this movie. I think I've seen it on Netflix. I've never watched it, but I've seen I know that it's available on Netflix. Gotcha. I haven't actually watched it. So maybe I should watch it at some point this week. Uh so yeah, thanks, Mark. That's that was really, really, really cool. So uh now we will play all. Of the voicemail. Yeah, so, so strap in, us. buckle in, get yourself a sandwich. This get yourself good. a shabibin. Yeah, get yourself. Oh, oh. Yeah. Oh. Yes. Yeah. A shabibin with a root beer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. The best way to have a shabibin, man. Yes. Oh, boy. Yes. 
Parasite Steve, Nintendo, and 8-Bit Alchemy, what is up? This is Adam Letourneau from He Said, She Said, and just wanted to throw in my classic movie that I have not yet seen or hadn't seen until just tonight, believe it or not, and that movie is The Nightmare Before Christmas. This is a movie that I had definitely heard about when it came out and knew about it, but never really got a chance to see it. I saw you know, Jack the Pumpkin King on people's backpacks and sweatshirts and things like that, but just never got around to watching it myself. And um, I definitely wanted to check it out, because it is the nightmare before Christmas, and it is Christmas time, just about. But yeah, this is not really a Christmas movie now, is it? <laughs> so the good stuff is definitely that the stop-motion animation was so cool, and despite so much of the theme of the movie being like very macabre and very grotesque, the movie really was gorgeous as far as I'm concerned. Um, all of the settings were beautiful, and the animation itself, like I said before, was just top-notch. Um, and Elfman's performance as Jack was so good. Um, I was really, really impressed with just the, you know, the songs, the music. Um, you know, the music was very boilerplate Elfman, but um, he really brought that character to life, and it was awesome to see him, you know, every time he was on screen. Uh, it was fun to watch. Um, Catherine O'Hara was also really good as Sally. Um, and just in general, like, really the, the climax of the movie, the last 20, uh, 15 to 20 uh, minutes of it were just... You know, it was a fun, fun watch at that point in time. In terms of bad stuff, I mean, when Jack wasn't on the screen, I found myself not as interested in what was going on. Um, I didn't like all of the other kind of minor characters like the evil scientist or um, Oogie Boogie or anything like that. I probably should watch this movie with the mindset that it isn't a Christmas movie. Probably better to watch on Halloween or something like that, but... That's kind of more my bad. And, um, yeah, I just I could have used a little bit more of the mayor only because um, the mayor was voiced by Glenn Shaddix, who was uh, Otho and Beetlejuice, and he's, uh, he's really, really good. But otherwise, uh, it was a great movie, really fun to watch, and I'm glad to have gotten the opportunity to just kind of take a few moments out of the holiday hustle to sit down and enjoy it. And I guess I have you guys to thank for that, right? But in any case, uh, here's to a wonderful 2022 for you guys. It's season four. Can't believe it. Three seasons in. Good for you. Jumping into this um, long ago, I thought that, you know, you guys would do great with this. And three seasons in, I've been proven right. So keep up the great work in 2022, please. And as for right now, wish you guys all the best in the holiday season and in the new year to come. Take care, guys. Hey Retroids, this is uh, Andy, Ozam, Z3D Forge, Angry Dad here, and I just wanted to talk a little bit about a quote-unquote classic movie. Uh, one of my favorites that I try to watch at least once a year is uh, Macross Plus, and it's a movie version of a Japanese animation OVA four-part series about competing uh, government contractors on an alien world for the new variable fighter. Whatever. It's a little weird. I love the movie. It's many layered themes are fun to see play out over and over again. But the uh, soundtrack is arranged and written by Yoko Kano, who is famous to most people for her uh, Cowboy Bebop theme. So that's one thing that I, I love to watch over and over again. Um, I even bought the soundtrack years ago in the early 2000s at a 
anime convention before they got like super popular. Uh, you know, I was in before it was cool, dude. Yeah. Anyway, uh, hope this works. I'll talk to y'all later. Hello, retro Reductopus guys. This is Legeren. Congratulations on season three finale. Hopefully, I can join you guys on season four. Um, the classic movie on my choice this year that I've been watching uh, recently is I, I usually go back to Back to Future 3. Not one, not two, but three. It just has a sentimental value to me. Um, my grandpa was always really into the Wild West, Wild Westerns, and he would probably lose his mind if he would see Red Dead Redemption 2. But yeah, we watched the movie. Uh, he came home one night with a VHS tape, which was uh, Back to Future 3. And he thought it was the first one. Uh, he didn't know, but we watched it. And uh, that was my first time seeing Back to the Future. So, um, yeah, just a really sentimental value. Uh, it's not a movie that I can talk about for a couple of seconds. I can talk about it for hours. But guys, congratulations and uh, Happy New Year. Hey guys, it's Christine. So, I use this opportunity to watch a movie that came out 22 years ago, and I have managed to not see all this time. That movie is The Matrix. Um, this is good timing. Uh, Resurrections is coming out soon. Um, just read a wonderful piece on Keanu in Esquire, and by all accounts, he is just a genuine, wonderful human being, which is just warming and wonderful. Um, so, I'm really glad I watched this movie. It was a really great role for for Keanu. I can't imagine anybody else um, being being in that role, uh, which you know really goes to show you what a good job he did. Because uh, often I can walk away and say, oh, "But imagine if so and so had played that." Uh, but I I I've got nothing. Ke- Keanu was great. Um, I t- I have a couple comments, a couple things I was a little confused about. Um, so I'll just list those off. The pod scene was really gross. Uh, all of the the plugs in his body, the no eyebrows, it was gross. I have questions about the pods, but eh, that's okay. Um, the tracking device that they put in his belly button that was much too large to go in his belly button or in his body at all, uh, in my opinion. <laughs> I don't really see the need for that. I think that was strange. Um, I mean, Morpheus and Trinity found him. Why did they need to have the tracking device inside of him? Hmm, I don't know. Maybe I missed something. I definitely want to learn more about the Oracle. Uh, seems like an interesting mix of a pretty effective algorithm and a, a psychic or a, a fortune teller, maybe. Um, that type of characters is hard for me because... Uh, my mind goes down a rabbit hole of, does this mean free will doesn't exist? Um, nurture, nature, all, all of those things. Knowing too much and knowing everything. and I'm iffy. But, um, but I, I, I was interested and I, I do hope to learn more about that character. I don't understand Cypher's double cross. I thought that I would learn that Tank was in on it. Which seemed like no, how could that be? Because I don't, I don't think he could do it without Tank. Um, but there was no indication that anyone else in, was involved other than him. 
So that was um, questionable for me. I uh, definitely want to make sure I pay better attention next time to, to look for all of the types of hints that can maybe um, explain that one. The last thing I want to mention is the, the agents and their, their ability to body hop. That is, that is huge. That is a really quite the superpower. Really unfortunate for all of the, all of the cops who were slaughtered, even though they had nothing to do with anything. I wonder in the, in the future movies if they um, put that, the agent's ability to better, smarter use, maybe. Because um, I felt like they were inconsistent about really capitalizing on how much power that is. But overall, I really liked the movie. I will definitely watch it again before I watch any of the sequels. And yeah, I'm, uh, I'm really glad that I got to join in on the fun and mm-hmm. see a 22-year-old movie after all these years. Thanks, guys. Hey, this is Josh with Cutthroat Comics, and uh, my classic movie that I was watching for the first time was Oliver and Company, the Disney film based off the Charles Dickens novel. Um, overall, the movie was okay. I preferred the musical more, which is weird to say because I hate musicals. Um, I also like August Rushmore, which is kind of a loose take. Uh, the songs were okay, and Billy Joel was in it, but like, who gives a damn? Uh, Joey Lawrence played the cat, which is kind of funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, overall it was okay. My kid really liked it. Um, and that was the classic movie that I watched that I'd never seen. Stephen Van Patten here. Uh, author, storyteller, tequila enthusiast. Uh, well, um, as far as classic movies go, uh, I did, uh, go on a little Vincent Price movie tear. Uh, watched some of the old stuff from back in the day. Uh, you know. Just just to see how it would fly with me with, uh, you know, looking at it through a grown man's lens, let's say. Uh, and one thing that really kind of like, uh, grabbed me, Theater of Blood, uh, which is, so Vincent Price is, uh, is an actor. In the movie, he's an actor. And he gets these bad reviews from these critics. And he's like Shakespearean trained and he's all, you know serious with it um but he's he's so distraught by the reviews that he kills himself or he tries to kill himself and he's rescued by these um these like bums or something who he then turns into his own personal murder cult so then he uh he actually goes after uh the people who uh, gave him the bad reviews um probably something a lot of actors probably want to do uh one of the one of the funnier parts about it his main assistant uh is actually the stage manager, uh, which is, you know, one of the other things I do when I'm not writing scary stuff. So I thought that was cool. And then it turns out the stage manager was actually his daughter. So that was, for me, that was actually kind of a letdown. But I think for everybody else, uh, I think you'll get a kick out of that and every other uh, aspect of that movie. So that's, uh, that's pretty much what I got. Thanks, guys. Hey, this is Raina, and uh, I watch a lot of old crap, and a lot of it is crap, but one film that always, always impresses me, no matter how many times I put it in front of my eyeballs, is The Abominable Dr. Fives. I don't think it gets enough credit. No one talks about this thing, and 
I am consistently impressed by the theatrical art deco direction that this thing takes and how it really is a proto slasher that no one acknowledges as such. I love Black Christmas and it is like a really early proto slasher, but vibes comes before that even. And it's so creative and it has that British silliness to it, just a little bit around the edges, which I love. And does anyone in all of cinema history have a more enviable wardrobe than Fibes' beautiful, silent assistant, Volnavia? I think not. Good morning, Retro Redoctify Collected. This is Derek Rook, and I was asked if there was a movie that I've seen recently, either a recent movie or from the past, that I would consider to be a classic. I am going with Malignant, and I know that's a very, very, very unpopular opinion, uh, but it is mine, so fuck everybody. Um, uh, the first two-thirds of this movie I was kind of lackluster with, and then I found myself smack dab in the middle of the best time that I've had in the cinema, starting with the third act and forward. I think that James Wan was channeling his inner giallo Italian horror movie, and I was all over it, as people know. Um, I think we spend way too much time armchair quarterbacking these movies instead of just having a good time with them. Um, sure, we are, you know, we could write a smarter movie, we could make a smarter movie, but nobody actually goes out and does it, so enjoy the fuck out of this movie and shut the fuck up and have a good time. Hey Retroids, it's your old pal Justin Cooper or Coop here. Um, I'm going to talk to you today about your Octoponder for the uh, end of the season this year. Watch a classic movie that you've never seen and uh, just kind of talk about it. And one that I hadn't seen was the original Universal Monsters The Mummy. Now, the reason I was even interested in this was because of uh, our friends at Throwdown Thursday had done one of these not too long ago, uh, an episode maybe about a year or two ago about the uh, Universal Monsters. And I had just never seen this film. And it was really kind of crazy to me that they were just reacting so well, like, oh, it's scary, it's this and everything. So, you know, I being familiar with Boris Karloff and things like that, I was just surprised they had never seen it. But um, Boris Karloff, Zeta Johan, David Mathers, uh, Arthur Byron, Edward Sloan, like, like uh, people that I had heard of in other classic movies, but I had never really seen. So uh, this was one that for me was just, it was incredibly tense. Like they did such a great job back then of establishing mood. And that's something that everything was acted out as if it was a play. And it's, it's something that you don't see anymore because obviously modern movies have evolved the way that we tell stories. And now with effects and things and you know, um, even, even the props are different, but this just, it, it really felt like just uh, watching something just unfold. And um, I really got a good sense of dread, which is not something I could say about a lot of horror movies, but this movie, it, it made you really fear for these characters. And uh, that is my answer for this one. Uh, 1932's The Mummy with Boris Karloff. Uh, I would say that that is, that is a heck of a movie, a classic that I had never gotten around to see until this year. And uh, thanks to uh, thanks to Patsy Nash's over at Throwdown Thursday for giving me the suggestion. Greetings and happy holidays, all of my retroids and my retro redacta guys. 
Um, this is the boy wonderful Ian Wallace, and I am um, recording my voice clip for the season three finale of the Retro Redoctopus um, Cephala podcast. Um, and the question is, or the, not the question, but the topic is the first time watching a classic film that I had been meaning to watch for a long time. And for me, without a doubt, I'm going to have to unequivocally go with Shogun Assassin. Um, I'm not sure who is the writer or director of this film, um, but it's one of those older, um, like, Saban uh, Kung Fu movies uh, with the, you know, <laughs> with the bad uh, lip syncing and, um, you know, as far as the uh, dubbing and subbing the, the, the language. And um, it's a movie about a samurai who um, whose family ends up getting, uh, you know, killed by this um, emperor or whatever. And then he goes on the war path, getting revenge, and he has to take his son with him. Um, and in retrospect, it was a pretty uh, morbid and, you know, violent movie. But I ended up watching it with my um, youngest son, who, who's, uh, you know, 15, 16 years old now. But, um, at the, you know, when we were watching it um, these last past couple of months ago, when I got a chance to sit down and watch it with him, I, I just remember um, it was just a really perfect time and, and kind of situation. It was a really dope movie to watch. And, um, you know, for him being at the age he was and him having a whole bunch of questions and, and me having a whole bunch of questions and having to look stuff up and everything, it was a really good experience. So um, I have to go with Shogun Assassin as my classic film that I had been meaning to watch for a long time. I've heard it in some of my favorite hip-hop albums, like the Jizz's Liquid Swords and a couple of other Wu-Tang albums it has been on. But I never really got a chance to watch the entire mo the movie in its entirety, so it was kind of dope to be curled up with the mutts and my son and, you know, on a rainy afternoon, kind of just watching this old-school kung fu flick. Definitely one of the better experiences I've had watching a classic film. Um, so that's my entry for um, my classic film that I have been meaning to watch for a very long time. Um, shout out to my Retro Redactor guys. Um, you know, congratulations on an awesome year. I hope next this next year coming up, this new year coming up, is going to be even more awesome for you guys. Keep up the great work. Love you guys very much. And um, we'll see you out there in the podcasting arenas. You guys take care. Thanks a lot. Hey, Retroids, it is Taryn Barber here, and the classic movie I wanted to talk about is Apocalypse Now. So Apocalypse Now is based on a book by Joseph Conrad, Heart of Darkness, which is my favorite book, or one of my favorite books, so I decided to watch this movie and was absolutely blown away by it. Um, given the time period that it was made in and the time period that it's supposed to represent, the cinematography is incredible. Um, the story is a marvelous adaptation of Heart of Darkness, which takes place in a different time period and a different setting, but the basics of the storyline and the message that the book communicated was still present in the film, which was fantastic. And the performances, of course, from uh, Lawrence Fishburne, Martin Sheen, etc., were fantastic. Marlon Brando was amazing, and the um, directing was just phenomenal. So, classic movie, and it feels weird calling it a classic because. Uh, it came out, I believe, in 1972, which is uh, only six years before I was born. But um, classic movie that I watched and absolutely love and is now my favorite movie of all time. Um, I hope you guys have a fabulous 2022. Congratulations on a successful year. And I uh, always look forward to hearing from you guys. I love you all. Take care.
Greetings, Ridiculous Octopi. My name is Jeff Holland. Now, Mr. Van Sampson has used his evil, evil powers, and he knows what I am talking about, to command me to talk about a classic film. And unfortunately, as of yet, I cannot resist his commands. So I want to talk a little bit about West Side Story. Now, as all of you are aware, Stephen Sondheim passed away recently, and I've been going through a lot of his catalog in memoriam. I watched um, a little night music, a couple different versions of Company, a couple different versions of Sweeney Todd, a phenomenal version of Into the Woods, and I finally decided that I was going to watch the film version of West Side Story. I have seen the play a couple of times, but I've never seen the film all the way through. I've seen clips, I've seen chunks, but I've never sat down and actually watched it. Well, that changed. And all I have to say is... Meh. I mean, it's, 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 it's okay. Rita Moreno is absolutely astounding in that film, of course. And America is a phenomenal dance number. But the movie itself, meh. You know, you, you don't believe the love story. Of course, you don't believe really believe the love story in Romeo and Juliet that much either. So take that as you will. Um, the acting, for the most part, is well, 1950s, and um, the opening sequence where the gangs are jazz handing through the streets of New York still makes me laugh uncontrollably. I mean, I, I wanted to like this movie, but I honestly think West Side Story works a lot better as a play. Will I see the new Spielberg version? Oh, probably. I'm very interested to see what he does with the material, and I've heard great reviews about it. But honestly, as a whole, West Side Story, apart from a couple of good songs and what can, can be a couple of good performances when you have the right actors, the original West Side Story left me meh. Please don't hurt me, Steve. Please don't hurt me. I did what you asked to. Please don't hurt me. Uh, thank you. Hello, Red Octopi. This is Scott Clevenger from the Slumgullion Podcast. This year, I saw the classic 1932 proto-zombie flick, White Zombie, for the first time in 21 years. The first time I saw it was at the Vogue Theater on Hollywood Boulevard, which is intensely haunted by all reports. It made a real impression on me. The atmosphere of the film stayed with me for decades. Although I can't say the same thing about the plot, I remembered not frame one of the story, which is a pretty potent tragedy, but in a stupid way. A very potently stupid tragedy is how I would describe it. And that's okay. But the feel, the look, the atmosphere of the movie is what makes it work. And I think what's remembered today from Bela Lugosi's iconic makeup for his character, the subtly named Murder Legendre, or however it's pronounced. They all say it different ways in the movie, which is understandable because they're all from different places. Most of the cast is from New York City, the leading ladies from Texas, the villains from Hungary, and none of them, not one, was from Haiti. Clarence Muse, the only black performer with lines, was from Baltimore, just in case you wondered what the characters from The Wire would sound like if their problem wasn't drugs, but zombies. But Bella's look was so iconic in that film that it's been a reliable pop culture reference way into the 21st century. The movie gave Rob Zombie the name for his band, and Bella's performance as murder is seen in the biopic Ed Wood, when we see murder demonstrating how to do that weird 
Here's the steeple thing he does with his hands whenever he wants to put the whammy on somebody. And honestly, that's all I remember. The actual plot creaks and groans like a loose stair tread in an old dark house. But it's simple, it's clean, it's classic. One man does evil for money, one man does evil for love, and one man does evil with the human voice by whining from one end of the picture to the other. Honestly, the leading man spends the entire second and third acts staggering around, calling for his lost love in the nasal, demanding voice of a kid saying he wants his mapo. It seriously left me wondering if it's still technically infanticide if you kill a grown man for acting like a baby. But I cut the guy some slack because his, his tragic origin story is genuinely tragic. He was the younger brother of a silent screen star who died in a mysterious shooting incident, and he was foisted on the public as eh, the next best thing. He successfully wind his way through a, about a hundred silent pictures, but once sound came in and people could actually hear him, he fell off the ladder of success and descended into bit parts and walk-ons, White Zombie being one of the rungs he hit on the way down, before dying of spinal meningitis at age 26. Actually, his life would have made for a better movie than his performance did. Leading Lady Madge Bellamy was also kind of a sad case. She was a stage star of some repute, but she was also a proto-Betty Davis and refused to do crappy scripts the studio bought for her, leading to her contract being canceled by Fox. She was out of work for two years before the bottom-fitting producers of White Zombie thought to squeeze what little juice remained out of her silent screen stardom by casting her in a largely silent role. Actually, once she inhales the zombifying medicine in the first act, she doesn't speak another word until the last scene. She faded away after this, briefly returning to the spotlight a little over ten years later when she shot her millionaire lover for marrying another woman. Actually, that would have made a better movie than White Zombie. Sadly, they probably would have cast actual Betty Davis in the role of Madge Bellamy. But the movie is worth seeing for Bella. He's not in it as much as it wants him to be, but he works seven of the film's 11-day shoot, so he's there when you need him. Therefore, on the Clevenger scale, I give it a 3.8, which is pretty good for an independently produced horror film from 1932, but kind of weak for an earthquake. Hey, what's going on there, retro redoctopus? Zero, uh, your good buddy Patsy the Angry Nerd here, and uh, I'm giving you one of the classic films that I watched for the first time this year. Uh, I was just going through my list because I like to keep track of all the movies I watch each year, and you know I watched a lot of classic uh, Shaw Brothers kung fu films, a lot of classic uh, westerns, including Tombstone, which I had never seen before and I really really liked. Uh, but I had never seen it. Um, tons of really old westerns that I've really gotten into to uh, to join in on the podcast. The East, East meets the West. Yeah, seems like that's difficult to say. Um, but stuff like Django and the Five Deadly Venoms. But one that I saw earlier this year that I was not, I wasn't as crazy about it as people seem to people seem to be like there seems to be a very big following for this film and i i i don't know i didn't really uh care for it all that much um was greece i'd never seen it before i watched it for the first time this year and everybody was like oh my god you've never seen it oh my god you've never seen it and i finally watched it and i was just like eh like didn't understand what all the hype is about. I don't know why they had 45-year-old people pretending like they were in high school. Like, I don't know. It it was uh, 
it wasn't anything that I was super excited about. Uh, same kind of went for 1981's Heavy Metal, which I had never seen before, and I watched uh, in July for the first time. I mean, that one was meh as well. Like, I guess if I had watched it 15, 20 years ago, and it's like, hey, look, there's a lot of boobs in this. All right, this is amazing, yeah. But I don't know, I just, it didn't, didn't really, uh, didn't really resonate with me. Uh, neither of them did. Um, I also saw Rawhead Rex for the first time this year. Uh, I had never seen that. Sorry, I'm kind of going through my book as I'm, as uh, I'm making this voice message. Um, you know, so I, I I did enjoy some of these uh, some of these westerns, you know, from the late '60s and. You know, some of the, the Shaw Brothers films from the late 70s and early 80s. Uh, I really, really, like I said, I really liked Tombstone. That might have been my favorite first time watch this year. But there were uh, quite a quite a few that uh, I was kind of surprised. Had you asked me this last year, I would have been able to throw out, uh, or maybe you did. I don't remember if I left a voicemail. Maybe I did. I don't recall. I'm, it's, I'm old. I don't know. But uh, I'm old and I don't remember things. My three and a half minute voicemail. I just want to say keep up the great work. I can't see, can't wait to see what you guys do next year, and uh, just rock on. And till then, I will see you next Thursday. Hello, my favorite Cephala pals. Congratulations on another fantastic season of Retro Redoctopus. Like a fine wine, this show only gets better with age. Speaking of wine, I recently uncorked a 2016 Roja, took a little red pill, and fell down a rabbit hole known as the Matrix. This being my first voyage into the green-hued coated world, I wasn't sure what to expect. And boy, was I pleasantly surprised. Up to this point, what I knew of The Matrix was a bunch of poorly regurgitated regurgitated, lines that painted Keanu Reeves in less than favorable light to the likes of I Know Kung Fu and Whoa. What I saw was so much more than that. The training, abilities, talent, devotion that Keanu brought to the role of Neo was impressive. A character full of growth and promise. Neo truly is the one. The supporting cast is equally as impressive. Lawrence Fishburne's Morpheus. Morpheus is is a perfect, strong leader that this group needs. Carrie Ann Moss as Trinity is everything. If you see me wearing a shiny black latex trench coat at the next convention, mind your business. I'm living my best life. And Hugo Weaving. (sighs) Hugo Weaving. Is there anything he can't do? Looking at you, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, I especially enjoyed this portrayal of Mr. Smith. 
The Wachowski siblings did an amazing job creating a plausible and fully realized world. Being somewhat of a science enthusiast, I appreciate when the writers do their homework and invent situations based on fact. Although there is no possible way that humans could generate enough energy required for the machines to function, the Wachowskis create a set of rules and continue to follow those rules throughout the film, thus facilitating the suspension of it's facilitating the suspension of disbelief. The storytelling also has political undertones of gender nonconformity and challenges the concept of ignorance is bliss. Knowing what we know and what we now know of the Wachowski sisters, it all makes sense. To quote the fabulous girl group and Vogue, free your mind and the rest will follow. Overall, I enjoyed my time in the androgynous industrial goth club known as the 1999's The Matrix. I plan on visiting the remaining films and doing deep doing a deep dive into the character of Neo for an upcoming episode of Throwdown Thursday. An anticipation anticipation Anticipation. Nope. Anticipation. Nope. Anticipation. There you go. Anticipation of the latest installment coming to theaters soon. Congrats again on another swinging, swinging, swimmingly superb season of the Retro Redoctopa Cephala podcast. Cheers to many, many more. Ashes. Wine bottle. And in the and in the role of Ashes von Nightmare, we have Doctor Matteo. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot my name. <laughs> All right, thank you guys so much for your for your uh, contributions to this episode. Yes, your, oh, your that was picks, so awesome. Yeah, your Heck picks yeah. were awesome. Uh, I think it's funny that we had uh, two people picking the matrix yep um <laughs> this is pretty funny um yeah so again thank you guys so much for uh a, a really really good year for the show um you know we've had our ups and downs we've we've all gone through a bunch of bs this year you know as far as like you no know, extended covid ex- extended covid and you know, mental health, losing the ones that we love uh, for, for whatever reasons uh, there are. And uh, yeah, I mean, doing the show is what keeps us sane for the most part. I know I've had, Mm -hmm. I've had my, my bout with uh, mental, uh, my mental breakdown during the summer. And uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know what else to say, really. I mean, I, I actually, you know, I, I want to thank, I want to thank Parasite Steve and Ape Alchemy for taking the reins while I was gone and just pumping out these really awesome 
uh, episodes of the crow's nest with all these video games and just, just keeping the show going. <laughs> and uh, I just think that's Thanks, really man. cool. And this was a great way to end the, the season, a great topic to do. I, I like this tradition of ours and uh, it was super fun to get to hear from everyone, including Dr. Matteo and, uh, and, you know, just get, get some good ideas for some movies to maybe check out from some of these that we haven't, Absolutely. Uh, haven't seen ourselves. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I just I think this is such a great fun way to wrap things up with the analytics and talking stuff out. And, you know, it's been uh, it's been a really fun recap. And yeah. I hope I hope that you guys enjoyed it, too. And 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 maybe go back and listen to some other episodes that, that you, you missed the first time around. Right. And uh, for those of you who have suggested episodes to us that we haven't gotten to um, Phil Conti, I'm looking at you. You gave us like four episode ideas and we didn't even do one of them. And dude, I just want you to know we did not, that did not go in one year, one ear and out the other. We wrote them down. We still have them and uh, we will get to uh, at least some of them this, this coming season uh, for sure. But this was kind of, not only was it a, a little bit of a weird year, as we've said, but like also, as I've said, like we wanted to get some of the ideas that we had been having for a long time just out and just get through them and just do them. So we've actually gotten through a lot of our like kicking around ideas that we had for a while. And I think that next season is going to be, you know, more open. We'll see what we can come up with and we're going to just keep doing more of the same. And hopefully our audience is uh, digging it and keeps on growing. We've been doing good. Honestly, the last, last four months or so we've seen a really steady uptick in listens. So thank you very much to all our new listeners as well as old time listeners. Mm -hmm. And uh, we hope you stick with us. Good, good times are to be had. And yes. season four, episode one is an 8-bit episode. And do you want to just tell them what it is? All right. All right. So, I mean, we've been talking st- about it for, they uh, stuck, for a while. They stuck and through on. to the end. I mean. It is stuck through to the end. Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah, so excited. He just yeah, can't no, hide it. We're going we're gonna to do the first episode next se- uh, season on uh, pinball. On pinball yes. machines. Talking about all the fucking wonderful chrome balls blasting around, hitting bumpers, making noises, making making points yep. and going to all kinds of shit going tilt uh activating you know field gimmicks and our favorite play fields and all that fucking shit that's yeah, just we, so damn fun we, and we impossible so to capture yes. we did we, we we had some great experiences uh we did yeah and 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 we're we're pumped to talk about that so i'm glad that we're going to be starting off with a firecracker i hope it doesn't start things too uh too awesome it might be tough thinking <laughs> it, of it will stuff. be it will we're it's fine. gonna be tough to, to <laughs> We're follow completely it up, fine. but it's, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, it's gonna yeah. be awesome. Yeah. And then, and then we got a really killer uh, interview. I'm very excited for, as Eight uh, Bit alluded to earlier. That's already in the can. I actually interviewed Keith Lansdale, uh, the son of Joe R. Lansdale, the other day, and uh, not your Lansdale. No, R. it's uh, it's our Lansdale. Uh, he belongs to everyone. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Keith Lansdale <laughs> is a great dude. It's an awesome interview. I'm really excited for you to hear it. He's talking about his book, Big Lizard, and his uh, his various movies that he's been a part of, what he's working on, and all that stuff. So we're going to start out with a pretty solid one-two punch of first season four, and I uh, can't wait for you guys to check that stuff out. So as for me, Parasite Steve, your buddy, um, thanks a lot for listening. And uh, and uh, I mean, I'm good, guys. You, you can just end yeah. it whenever you want. I mean, this is just, this is okay. just, it's, it's hard. It's hard to it, say it's goodbye. Hard to
it's, it's hard it to say goodbye. It's not goodbye. It's, it's so until next time. To <laughs> say goodbye to the podcast, motherfucker. Just for season three. It's so hard to say goodbye to season three. Okay, but bye. Bye. <laughs> bye, guys. Retro Notorious. No, wait. No, that's Retro Redoctopus. I just wanted to be able to say the word Redoctopus several times tonight, and I'll be happy.